Welcome to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. With your hosts, Ben Hart and Zach Arnold. Co-starring you, the fans. Sponsored by Channel 1138. Evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. And we're broadcasting live right here on channel 1138, and also coming to you through iTunes and Google Play, and of course, StarWarsUnderworld.com and any other place you might think. And if there's some place that you want us to be, let us know so we can get that out to you as quickly as possible because we're trying to, we're still expanding and growing. We're based on on Podbean, that is our host site at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. That's our show archive. But if you want us to be somewhere else where it's more convenient for you, please let us know. But we have another awesome episode for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about something really, really special and something that nor myself or Zach have ever seen before. So that's going to be fun. Um, And before we jump into it, I guess we should give a little background and tell you what's going on and who this is my name is ben and yes zach arnold is my co-host he will be here very shortly but we've had to bring in the big guns on this one something that's very special and we're talking about harry potter this week we're beginning our discussion of the massive harry potter franchise and we had to get someone who is one of the biggest harry potter fans that i know of Someone that dragged me on the Harry Potter ride a few times in at Universal. Um, so we figured why not get him on for this episode and it'll make it all that more much more fun. So from the Star Wars Underworld, my good friend and yours, Mr. Dominic Jones. Hey, Ben. Hey, everybody. It's nice to be back here on uh, IPC. It's been a while since I've been on the yeah. show, but it's great to be back. And, and you know, I... I uh, you know, for Harry, Harry Potter is one of those things that I told you way back when, when you started <laughs> doing the show, I said, when you get to Harry Potter, tell me and I will be there. And I, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. I'm so excited that, that you, to be here to talk about it with you guys, but also the fact that you guys are, are getting to experience it for the first time for yourselves. And, and, you know, I, I yeah. don't, I, I haven't really talked to you guys about what you've thought of Philosopher's Stone, which is what we'll be talking about tonight. Um, but, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of nervous, right? Like it's something that's so important to me and it's something that I love so much that like when I, when you introduce something like that to somebody else, you want them to like it. Um, you know, I, mm-hmm. I have no delusions that you're going to like it as a, you know, you, you're going to go to the insane like fan levels that I went to at, at a certain point. Um, but I, I I just hope that you liked it, and so I'm I'm kind of nervous to find out. Not that if you guys don't like it, it's any sort of hardship for me. That's just the that's just how it is. But I I'm very uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about it. But yeah, we did go on the Harry Potter ride a couple of times at Universal Studios uh, 
two Christmases ago now, I guess. Uh, and I, I just remember like I was sitting there with like my hands on the bar with this like dopey grin on my face, like so excited. <laughs> and, and you and Zach were just lo- looking around going, what the, what the hell is going on? <laughs> what is, what is this? And, and, you know, Chris was there too. Chris from Star Wars Underworld, he's there too. And he's seen the movies and stuff. So he's, he's, he's sort of getting it, but it, you know, it wasn't that like intense level that it was for me where I was like, this is, this is the greatest ride I've ever been on in my life. And yeah. you know, like it's, it's like star tours and Harry Potter and the forbidden journey at, at, um, Universal, it's like those are like one and one A, and I, I, it, I'm hard pressed to say which is which is which beats out the other one because they are both sort of the the dream uh, amusement park rides for me. Oh yeah, I mean it's an incredible ride, and I I enjoyed it all the times we went on it. Like mm-hmm. even not knowing, <laughs> you're like, like all the times we went on, you're like yes, we went on. He made us go on it a lot of times. <laughs> we we went on at least three times. I mean. Technically speaking, like Universal, like it's not got like a huge, huge amount of stuff that mm-hmm. I'm familiar with. Right. Like there is a few things like I'm not a huge fan of The Walking Dead, but we went to The Walking <laughs> Dead thing. Like <laughs> you just do this kind of stuff. I've yeah. seen like a handful of Simpsons episodes my entire life, <sighs> yeah. but I went on the Simpsons ride. And, like that's one of my favorite rides. Like that yeah. was, that was oh, great and Simpsons funny. Simpsons ride is so, so good. Yeah, it's great. We could just um, can we just do an episode on Universal Studios? Like we need. On... I've already suggested it. We need to do theme park rides, uh, yeah. like top five theme park rides at some oh, point, um, because there's so many great ones. Yeah, and just did Universal and Disney alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Harry Potter ride was just like I went on. Like, okay, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll roll with this and see what happens. I've never seen Harry Potter. Um, not that I don't like get it like i understand harry potter mm-hmm. like i've been exposed i've been on the internet enough i've seen <laughs> enough memes I-, I i get the gist of it i know what it is um you know even when in this movie is like there's a troll in the dungeon like i've seen that i saw that, that the gift. other day yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know I-, I get the gist of it. it it's really it's an amazing ride like mm-hmm. even for someone who w- is vaguely familiar with Harry Potter. I would even say it's quite. It could be even better than Star Tours. Yeah, just the fact of it's so immersive. It really like Star Tours is is very immersive. It's you know you get in this. Basically, it's just a motion ride. Yeah, and Star three D motion ride. Star Tours is your yeah. You're basically watching a th- a three D movie and the theater shakes and right like that. That's you know reducing it to like the simplest you know way of saying it but and it is so much fun as an experience to to go on but this yeah this harry potter ride like you get on like a proper all not a proper like almost a proper roller coaster like car except it's made to look like a a flying bookcase because of course it's harry potter right it's it's gotta look like a flying bookcase And, and then you know there's parts of it where you're like watching a screen and you're you're being shake, shaken around on the car and, and you know, f- as you follow the action on the screen. And then there are other parts where it's almost more of like an animatronic thing and you're dodging Dementors and the Whomping Willow and, and these things. And and these are all things, by the way, Ben, that you'll find out about in the next two two or three uh, <laughs> you know, movies yeah, as, yeah. as you go along. Like, like when I, we go through the Quidditch match, it's like, oh, mm. yeah, I've done this you're before. Like, 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 this, ah, is... this makes sense yeah. now. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's really immersive. And, and, you know, some of those rides at, at – galaxy's edge whenever that opens you know because we always got to bring it back to star wars um mm-hmm. I, I i hope that they sent people to harry potter land and had them ride that ride and also they sent them to the one at, in florida where there's another ride that that's uh, the escape from the gringotts vault 
that's very similar. It's I still think Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey is like the peak, the best, but the Escape from Gringotts is very, very good as well. Um, well, you know that's that's good that there is like different ones. Oh yeah. Like, well, when we when we start talking about the film, there's a moment in the film that they managed to replicate perfectly at the Orlando Universal Studios Park. And I have two stories about that. And we'll get to that when we get to it in the yeah. film. Um, but yeah, they, they the, the Universal, for one, Universal in Orlando is just, it's, it's bigger than the one in, in California. There's more in general, but there's specifically more Harry Potter. Like there's uh, uh, the, the one that we went to at Ben, the one in LA, there's Forbidden Journey, and there's the Hippogriff ride, which, again, you'll find out what that is <laughs> sooner, <laughs> eventually. Yeah, when, when you get to Prisoner of Azkaban, that'll make a lot more sense. But that's sort of the kiddie ride, and then there's uh, Forbidden Journey, which is like the everybody ride. Um, and then in Orlando, you have the Escape from Gringotts, again, that's sort of an everybody ride. And then for the sort of more intense things, they have these, uh, they have the Triwizard Tournament Dragon Challenge rides, which are just mm. literally roller coasters. And again, you'll find out what the Triwizard Tournament and the Dragon Challenge is when we get to Goblet of Fire. That will make sense then. But this, this was, uh, uh, you know, these are just straight up roller coasters that look like dragons and they, you know, flip you around and you go really fast and it's sort of the more, traditional theme park ride for lack of, of a better term um but yeah that's cool that's cool and I, and what i was getting at a minute ago was mm-hmm. like it's cool that you can go to different parks and get a different experience because mm-hmm. like star tours is, is star tours no matter where you go yes like it's cool that like i understand like even for like galaxy's edge they're making that mm-hmm. pretty much the same in both orlando and anaheim and that's great for like people that can't go across country, but for the people that you know make take the extra effort to go from you know Orlando to Anaheim, like they get a different experience, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And and you know, I, I think the the one thing about Galaxy's Edge that's worth keeping in mind is that one is supposed to just be a, a totally different experience for everybody at all times. So it, you know that they'll be worth it'll be worth just going multiple times wherever you are in the world uh if you can uh, uh, of course assuming that you can exactly exactly so we did not come here to talk about amusement park rides even though that is paul part of it yeah um we are here to talk about philosopher's stone or sorcerer's stone or whatever you philosopher's stone philosophers i won't have any of the sorcerer's stone nonsense i figured you would one of those people um so that's interesting um but for for uh for for starting it off i figured we'd start off with something completely different yes since we had some breaking news this morning from the marvel side we got a brand new trailer for avengers infinity war the entire time i knew him he only ever had one goal To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the infinity stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we use.
Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. made-up names, then I am Spider-Man. And it was pretty, pretty awesome. I'm not sure what you thought about it, Dominic, but yeah. like, I, I, it was, it was something that, like, it wasn't as thrilling as the first one. Like, I probably liked the first one better, but it gives you a lot more exposition as to what the story actually is going to be. Yeah, it's, it's a cool trailer. I mean, both, uh, both trailers were... For, for this movie have been very very good and they kind of give you those moments that you're looking for of heroes interacting with each other i mean that's the fun thing i think about the avengers movies in general is that you get to bring together these heroes and it, it what made this one to stand out to me most of all is that we got to see something we literally have never seen before which was the avengers and the guardians of the galaxy you had an exchange between tony stark and uh peter quill you know and the rest yeah. of the you know with the, everybody else we've kind of seen these heroes interacting together you know we've seen cap and black panther before we've seen uh black widow and and various uh and and thor and you know we've seen all this stuff but to see the guardians and the avengers and spider-man's there too i mean i guess spider-man's an avenger but you know to see all those right. guys together it really is sort of that this movie does look to be fulfilling uh those promises of really bringing this whole universe together at least oh on the yeah. cinematic side oh for sure and you know you have like the guardians got like a you know post credits tease on the last trailer like but in here yeah. you get gamora starting it off with mm -hmm. some dialogue and talking about her father which is you know i think you can't it's it's easy to forget that the guardians really should be like front and center in this movie like mm -hmm. gamora and nebula's story really is should be big like you have at least three of the guardians counting you know drax nebula and gamora want have a you know a personal two of them have a personal connection and all three of them want to kill him you know like that's a big deal and that's you know thanos has been kind of part of their story from the beginning so mm, yeah I think the first the first guardians movie is where we first saw josh brolin or Bro yeah. brolin or however his name is pronounced as thanos <laughs> Uh, right, exactly. So, you know, uh, it's it's really great to yeah. see just yeah, as I said, well, like, you uh, know, Peter Quill, mm -hmm. as you said, Peter Quill and Tony Stark together. Yeah. Well, whipping and, I, and, you know, making and annoying each other. Like that's fun and it's great. Finally. Yeah. 
it's it's exactly what you'd expect would happen. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious how it's all going to come together. Like that's that's sort of my question about this movie right now because everything as it stands right now is very disparate. You look where everybody was at the end of their last phase movie, you know, um, and you know Spider Man is is he's decided to stay in high school. Tony is just kind of being Tony cap. We don't know where he is. He's going to pop up in Wakanda. It seems uh, Bucky right. is obviously, obviously in Wakanda. That's where black Panther is. Um, the guardians just were just, are just kind of out there, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and exactly. Thor, uh, Thor and, and Hulk are kind of, I don't know what they're, they, they, you know, they ran into that ship at the end of Ragnarok, you know, it's like, what, what's, what's, what's going on here? And yeah, cause you see banner crashes through the roof of the sanctum sanctorum. Mm-hmm. So like maybe, and that's actually a reference to the comics, right? Um, where, I think it's Silver Surfer. I feel like this this crashes. whole I feel like this whole movie is just going to be like one comics reference after another. It's so like that's okay. So that's that panel. It's that panel, which is, which yeah. is really cool. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. And I think like you can definitely see like there's two major parts of this movie. You see Tony Stark. You see Iron Man, Spider Man. You know Doctor Strange. All of those guys. Yeah. Even in Hulk in New York, and then you have Banner showing up in Wakanda with. Rhodey and you know and Black Widow and and Vision and all those guys and they're yeah. in the battle fighting and apparently kinda, Tony Stark is the thing so yeah. I I kind of think Banner is going to wind up being key to all of this because he's kind of the guy who can navigate the politics quote unquote of the Avengers you know he him and Tony are the science buddies uh, right. or science bros or whatever they are and then but he also has a a very sort of deep connection with natasha and he's already hanging out with thor and based on the previous trailer it seems that thor is going to meet the guardians and that makes sense you know you get the cosmic guys together and that sort of thing and then banner is the one who uh, you know he can walk into a situation as bruce banner not as incredible hulk if hulk walks into a situation everybody's tense but if banner walks in it's sort of like okay what's going on here but you know, I think next time Tony and, and Cap see each other, that that they might, yeah, that things might be a little tense. They might be at each other's throats, ready to, to go a few rounds. You know, pick up where Civil War left off. Um, but I think for the, I think for the most part, you know, Hulk is that guy. Hulk of all people, it's the Incredible Hulk who's going to be able to kind of, ha- who's going to have to kind of play peacemaker between all of these different groups. And you know, that that seems like a good a good way to use uh bruce banner and then you know hulk will show up to smash some stuff at the end i'm sure well yeah and you see like i think it's been kind of alluded to through the movie and the legos sets and stuff like that that apparently banner is going to be in the hulkbuster armor maybe oh that's interesting so maybe it's his way of like not hulking out but still being useful yeah but yeah. then you see him like being like overrun by those monsters, and of course you see in the first trailer the last shot is Hulk running through Wakanda. So yeah, yeah, well, it's and, probably yeah, not. It's it's. I think it's his way of like trying to avoid it, but ultimately like he's always going to be the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you know we see in in the trailer we see Cap showing up in Wakanda. I mean we knew that was going to happen from the previous one with the "Get this man a shield" line. Yes, um, which is a great line. Uh, but you know we we knew. Th- 
and then so then you know again that's sort of bringing in everybody bringing everybody together and uh you know dr strange had the moment with thor and in ragnarok so again that's how you can bring him in without too much trouble and bring in all of that sort of mystical side of things and you know all the all the pieces are kind of there to bring in you know obviously with cap you get falcon with tony you get um war machine and i guess sort of the the the, the outliers I, I guess are like you know where's hawkeye and where are where's ant-man those are the kind of the guys that you're that is you're i'm not even for. sure if ant-man and the wasp are going to be in this movie really they like better. that's what they i that's what I, I i read a headline that kind of alluded to that that they weren't going to have a huge role that they're going to it's going to be more because we we because there was conflicting reports and mm-hmm. it was originally going to be infinity war part one and part two yeah 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 and then they split that up and said no no, no this is a different thing mm-hmm so now it's just Infinity War and whatever's coming next, which is apparently going to involve time travel. Um, really? Yeah. Have you seen the set photos from that? No, I haven't. I've, I don't. I haven't followed the set photos. So we 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 talked a little bit about it on the show, and I I apologize if anyone's like thinks this is huge spoilers, but I think this will all be in the trailers and everything like that once that movie is coming mm-hmm. next year. But it shows you have Tony Stark and Ant Man and maybe Hulk or whatever, and they're in the battle. Basically, they're with Cap, who looks like he did in during the Battle of New York in the original one. Interesting. So the thought is that something's going to happen. I believe that this movie is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are going to die. Maybe Thanos wins. Maybe he you know, kills half the population of the Earth as he says he's going so how to does, too. How does that... I'm, I'm always curious with the Marvel movies because they're they're one series, but they're also multiple series, you know? How does that impact the rest of the films? I mean, the because coming in between the two Avengers movies, you have Ant-Man, Ant-Man and Wasp, that movie, and then you have Captain Marvel. That's the Brie Larson one, right? And and that yeah. that's set in the 90s, so that's kind of, you know, in the past. So that, that makes sense. But how does then Ant-Man and the Wasp, like if, if Thanos wins and we have to use time travel in, in, in Avengers 4 to sort of reset things somewhat, like where does that leave Ant-Man? Like how does how does this work? Is, does Ant-Man and, and, no. and the Wasp wind up being kind of a prequel to I Infinity think, War? I was just thinking about this today. I'm pretty sure Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be set like post-Civil War. Mm-hmm. And they've said, I think today, that there's going to be several years between infinity war and civil war interesting so i think that's i think that's an indication yeah. that there's something's gonna big's gonna well, happen the, the, the timeline of the marvel movies is kind of confusing like the, the it's i it's, remember it's in, 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 up. yeah well i remember in homecoming when they cut from the battle of new york to the rest of the movie and it said like what a, a certain number of years later i was sitting there in the theater doing the math like this doesn't <laughs> what this doesn't add up this doesn't make sense this doesn't work yeah that, um, it, it's totally i supposedly they have it well in hand i don't trust them mm-hmm. because it does not like you just start thinking about it and going oh my god this so makes sense yeah so let me ask you this ben what, what do you think the odds are that somebody from the tv side of things shows up whether it's colson whether it's um uh quake whether it's daredevil devil or jessica jones do you think anybody like that shows up luke cage you know i would say zero percent yeah because i think they've made it there's been a lot of been a lot of allusions to the idea that 
whoever is in control of the TV side or in the movies or in control of that, the idea or the prospect of them crossing over does not want it to happen for whatever reason. Mm. So until that person is gone, you're not going to see crossover. Like people, like you could do it. Like you could have like, you know, they're fighting in New York or something like that and you just have one shot of the defenders fighting. Well, yeah. Well, I I remember just in Age of Ultron, this was when I was still watching S.H.I.E.L.D. I I sort of felt like when that, when the helicarrier showed up and and, uh, Nick Fury was at the helm of it and, and you had sort of that, array of shield characters who had been in other movies kind of helming it it was sort of like would it have been too much to get chloe bennett and and the rest of them to show up for a day and like would that have really have been too much uh but uh, apparently apparently it was yeah i I don't get it you know it's just it's it's because this is i feel like this universe would benefit from that and it would add more credence to the shows which are great on their own sure but like, you know, like I even bring back. I mean, it's not like nobody knows that Coulson is still alive. Yeah. Like, just bring him back. Just have him show up. Like, I understand it was big for the first Avengers, but like, especially like Infinity War. Like, just have him show up and just yeah. like, hey, well, I'm he's, here. He's, oh, you're alive. Okay, whatever. Let's just get on with this. He's sort of the one that they could bring back the easiest because there's you need like zero explanation for who he is, and you could do it in a flashback. So even if you wanted to say for the sake of this movie and as far as these characters know, this character is dead, but you know, you could also just sort of say. He, you know, you could just do a flashback, and and there he is, and I, I don't know that that character's character's now, kind of fallen by the wayside if, and been replaced by do, Martin Freeman. Right. If they do time travel back to the first Avengers in Avengers mm-hmm. Four, yeah, that's that's an opportunity to bring Coulson in, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That would be when he was back, when he was still alive. Absolutely. Uh, or still alive, quote unquote, you know, officially. <laughs> oh, yeah, as so, far as the yeah. films are concerned, yeah, that is the thing about the Marvel universe, and, and this is why you know we were having a discussion on Star Wars Underworld a couple of weeks ago about like should Star Wars try to do this, try and do this big sort of one big story thing going forward, uh-huh, and uh-huh. It, it just you know it, I think they I think they started with the best of intentions. And then they realized that they weren't going to be able to do the type of crossovers that they wanted to with the films and that the story of the show, you know, wasn't going to quite line up with the films. And as we know, movies, movies are a long process and they can change and they can change fairly late in the game. And, you know, TV shows don't always have that luxury because they have to plan out a whole season as opposed to just one movie. And it, you know, it just it didn't seem to work. And, and however, you know, and, and those shows are still good. I, you know, they're still I, I've been watching season two of, of Jessica Jones and really enjoying it. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it is I think they they understood at a certain point that that big universe across the mediums uh, telling one story all at once was just wasn't worth it at, at, at this moment in time. And unless they really want to commit to it. I don't think I don't think any I don't think anybody's going to be trying that again for a while. I mean, I think it's cool enough to have the movies crossing over. Yeah, like, absolutely. The movies that's, it's, that's it really a feat is in and of itself. It, it, yeah, it's incredible what they've done so far, and the fact of like to the point now where like pre Avengers, like they kind of kept all the characters apart because they wanted to preserve like them meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. But now it's like every movie since then almost 
has had a crossover. You had Thor Ragnarok, which was basically just Hulk and Thor teaming yeah. up. You had, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming was, the, you know, Spider-Man. Civil War was the ultimate team up. Yeah. As I said, you know, it, I think it's the best Avengers movie so yeah. far. Um, so, like, yeah, it's Well, it was it was awesome. kind of funny, funny to watch through Phase 2 as they went from, like, individual stories to uh crossing over because it started you know iron man 3 it's mostly it's just iron man and, and war machine which is sort of what iron man 1 and 2 had been but you know you had a little hulk in there just for fun and then by the time you got to captain america you had um uh black widow in there the whole time you brought in falcon uh and and then from there you got to avengers and so on and so forth like that into ant-man with again with falcon and so on and so forth like that it, it was it was it, it, it was a good evolution i think to where we are now where it is yeah they just cross over every time it's it's weirder when they don't cross over than it is when they do yeah exactly exactly um and i think i did i just heard a noise I heard, yeah i, th- I, th- I think there, I, there's I think something a mouse, going on here a mouse got into the studio <laughs> i think somebody <laughs> we did chase it out get the broom get the broom <laughs> Who are you? What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> Squeak. Nobody's here. Squeak. Oh, nobody's there. I'm sorry. It was oh. just a mistake. Oh, okay. It's scabbers. We'll just move on. We'll just we'll just we'll just go on with uh, the discussion. We won't, uh, won't 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 need whoever that is. Mm. Yeah. Well, like that it. suits me just fine. You can all go to hell. <laughs> oh my. Wow. Oh jeez, that that, Zach, that Zach, uh, mouse Zach, has got a foul mouth. Yeah. Zach comes Zach comes in swinging this week. He's just like <laughs> ready I'm for a fight. Feisty. I've been I've been sitting down watching a baseball game for the last 3 hours. I'm ready to move around and do something. So You'll probably hear like my chair making some noises just because I'm going to be a little bit restless. I, I was going to I was going to say Zach like if you want to be moving around and doing something, podcasting really isn't. Yeah, that, that. I know, right? Like that's not exactly the best. It's not option. an athletic, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, thing. Uh, yeah. No, but I'll tell you what is athletic is this March Madness. I am having a heck of a time watching all these different games going on. Uh, I'm. I, I know you guys are probably not anywhere near as interested in it, but it's kind of like been my thing for a while now. Mm-hmm. I make uh, I make brackets and I make predictions and picks and stuff, and I think I'm finally getting into the swing of things. You know, judging which upsets are most likely and which ones are just going to be standard games. Uh, I think there's been like 27 games played right now and like five more before the end of the night, and I've picked 23 correctly, 24 oh, of those 27. And so... I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty hyped for this uh, this entire weekend of endless basketball. I've got three screens going right now with three different <laughs> games being played while I'm podcasting. So it's it's going to be a fun evening, no matter no matter how you play it out. So I'm looking forward to everything we got on tap tonight. Right, and, and you know, I, I, and well, I mean, we're going to be talking about Harry Potter, but we yeah. did just get done with talking about the Infinity War trailer, and before we move on. I'd get your take on. What do you think of uh, the new Infinity War trailer? Uh, you know, I I liked it, but I feel like it also didn't quite have the same level of excitement as the first trailer. I, I think what the first trailer did was got you excited for the movie, like it's finally here kind of thing, and also the hype surrounding it at San Diego Comic Con kind of helped it along as well. 
didn't quite get as much of that same kind of hype as you did with the first one. Definitely revealed a bit more of the plot, but anybody that's read the Infinity Gauntlet comic kind of has an idea of the direction this movie's going to try and take, you know, a general skeleton idea. And so having been somebody that's read it and, you know, read a lot of spoilers about it online and stuff, it didn't necessarily surprise me, but I was pleased to see more interactions between the characters. You know, we only had Thor meeting the Guardians for a split second at the very end of the first trailer, and now we get more interaction with the Guardians, and you've got Spider-Man and Iron Man on scene with them, and you're seeing Doctor Strange and who he's teaming up with. You get more of Wakanda now that Black Panther is released. Like, I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it increased my hype for this movie because my hype level is already pretty high. Like, I'm already pretty excited for this movie. I don't know if this trailer got me more excited, but I'm I'm still excited for the movie nonetheless. I just... I just realized that it's coming out next month. I literally yeah. just it just hit me that April is next month. Like getting there. I'm about to freak out. And it comes out my birthday weekend. Best out my birthday mom's birthday ever. weekend too, That's which so is like really tough for me because we usually celebrate stuff as a family, but my mom is definitely not into Marvel movies as much as <laughs> I am or my sister is. Right. And so we're gonna have to figure out what to do with that. Like Am I going to be going to dinner that Friday and I try to catch the movie that Thursday? Like, what are we going to do? Because I definitely don't think I can convince her to go see it as her birthday present. Hey, mom, happy, you put, happy birthday. If you put her in a, you put my mom in a dark theater, she'll fall asleep. Yeah, I remember. Regardless of how good the movie is, especially with the reclining chairs, like the ones that you guys sat in when we went to see The Last Jedi, like that's mm. our go-to theater. If you put her in a reclining seat like that and turn the lights off, she's just going to go to sleep. Look, no joke. It's the same thing with my dad. It is so much so that if we go to see a movie, like last time we went was to see Last Jedi, my mom's like, "You're gonna go to sleep. Like we're going to a theater with with thing. Like you better not go to sleep. Like yep. thing." And of course, he's enough. He's enough of a Star Wars fan. He won't go to sleep mm. during a Star Wars movie. But yeah, he is. He can go to sleep pretty easy. Did you like feed him a pot of coffee before <laughs> Last Jedi? Like you know, just, just drink this and then watch the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't even think that would help him. If it was, <laughs> it was, if it was like a boring movie. He wouldn't. It, he well, wouldn't sure, sure, yeah. Um, but, one more thing about Infinity War, and we were kind of, kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, Ben. But like, one thing I, I really am waiting for in this movie, and I, and I, 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 I haven't been following it anywhere near as much as you guys, but I, I, I really want to know what the twist is because right now it seems like a very simple story you know thanos is coming to town and there's gonna be problems but i, I feel yeah. like that's almost too simple a story for what for what marvel has tried to do over the last little while and i think the marvel movies are at their best when they have a good twist that's well worked in and, and i don't know about you guys but you guys feel that there needs to be a twist in this movie or is it just fighting thanos enough I think, I mean, I think else, but I think the big twist will be everyone is expecting the Avengers, as they've done in the past, even when it was problems that they created, they came and they saved the day and everything was happy. I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think no, Thanos is Thanos it's is coming not. to get the Infinity Gauntlet, get, he has the Infinity Gauntlet, get all the gems, and then kill half of humanity. And I think he's going to get that. 
He's going to think you're going to see half humanity die. He's Thanos is probably going to be ruling over Earth by the end. And maybe even half the Avengers will die. And that's what's going to set up the next one, which is, I think, them trying to undo everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe they somehow get their hands on the – maybe someone gets their hands on the Infinity Gauntlet, and that's how they're able to either go back in time or try to fix it and try to undo everything. And with the Infinity Gauntlet, you can do anything. So anything Thanos does feasibly could be undone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried that they're gonna do the. That they're gonna pull a mulligan. And based on what we've seen from some of the behind the scenes stuff for this second, you know, the follow up movie, that that seems like the direction they're taking. I hope that they do it well, well enough that it doesn't seem really tacky. But I don't. I don't think the twist is going to be as big a deal in this movie as the deaths, mm. because you're either. You're either going to have like a, a final death or like a, a very certain death, or people are going to die and leave you on a cliffhanger and leave you thinking for the next year that this person cannot come back. And then you get into the second Avengers movie, the follow-up movie, and you find out, oh, they can go back in time and write the ship sort of thing. Yeah. And so And you can't you can't have it end up that like half the Avengers die and then they come back in the next movie, they just bring them all back to life. Like, there has yeah. to be some consequences, and yep. in the end, I think they're going to come to an impasse where they, like, can save a few people. Maybe save, like, one or two people, but ultimately, like, you're going to see a lot whoever. of people. I would, I would be surprised, I would be shocked if, in fact, I'm pretty much expecting either Cap or Iron Man or both of them to die. Yeah. Maybe, basically, they have to save whoever has more movies left on their contract. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like I said, like I think going into Civil War, like I was like, yeah, whoever is like the most popular character is probably going to say like they can make like more Captain America movies because those things are like super popular. Mm -hmm. Iron Man, (laughs) I think he's a goner. Yeah, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. has been trying to find a way out for a while now. So I think this may be it for for our uh, our favorite man in in the suit but right we'll right. see we shall see we'll see but um we still have we still have a movie to talk about big to you talk know? about we we still we still got this thing you know where there's like this actual two hour something two two hour 26 minutes i think it was two it's hour 26 minute movie, movie yeah. that we've got to we've got to discuss before the and, night is and, out and zach i have to warn you really quick don't say Sorcerer's Stone. It triggers Dominic. <laughs> well, I, I've heard that it triggers a lot of people, and I get that, but it, I, I may I may slip up on accident or on purpose just to see what happens. I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, let's get into it because yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I Spoiler alert, I really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Um, and more of this franchise. Um, but you know, I, kind of want to kind of first off kind of get everyone's background on like where they came from and where, how, what their exposure was for me, it isn't much. So like Dominic, like what's, uh, going into this? Like, I know you are a huge fan and I know you kind of grew up with this kind of, you want to give kind of your origin story for Harry Potter, I guess. Sure. So it's, it's kind of like my my origin story with Star Wars in the sense that I kind of resisted it at first. You know, Harry Potter 
was very big when I was in you know grades one and two. Like that was when it the the, the first sort of wave of intense Harry Potter um, excitement was really hitting and kind of because for whatever reason I was a little bit late to it I because I didn't know what people were talking about I tried to be like yeah I don't like it uh you know I'm cool cuz I I don't like the thing that everybody likes you know I, this is as a <laughs> you know being in grade 1 this is how I was thinking um but then I was given a copy of the philosopher's stone the book uh for christmas that year by my grandmother and I you know I I you know, politely accepted the gift and thanked it for I was just ready to throw it over my shoulder like I'm Luke Skywalker receiving the lightsaber from Ray. You know, like I was oh, not dear. not gonna wasn't gonna read it myself, but my dad suggested that like we read it together. And so he kind of convinced me and then, you know, he started reading that first chapter to to me that uh, one night before bed. And that first night I made him read like six chapters. Because whatever it was, it captured me. And, you know, I, I talked about this with my dad, uh, like a couple of years ago, like not too recent, not too long ago. And, and he was like, he's like, yeah, no, I just wanted to keep going too. I was into it as well. <laughs> like, oh, wow. just, we both like got caught up in that story. And, and that's how we read the first, uh, four books. Uh, I think, uh, Order of the Phoenix was the first one where I, you know, waited, where it was sort of like waiting for the book to come out. And then it came out and I got it and, and, you know, tried to like keep up the thing of like reading it with my dad because I really liked that sort of like tradition. But I was so like into the story that I couldn't wait and that I would, I would read ahead like several chapters and then be to my dad like, no, I haven't read any of it. No, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. But then <laughs> I would start like saying things that oh, sort of no. indicate you would, like, fill in the sentences. Yeah, the yeah, sentences. basically, basically. Oh no, oh, <laughs> he caught on pretty quick. He got busted. On, got on. So yeah, so for for uh, Half Blood Prince and and um, Deathly Hallows, I, I read them on my own. Um, but you know, Harry Potter was sort of my also my first sort of exposure to some sort of resemblance of of fandom you know it was you know i wasn't really you know like the first websites that i went to were like harrypotter.com which was you know the 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 website for the the movies and 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 you know they had little games on there and that sort of thing the first sort of events that i went to for stuff was book launches for the first well, the first one i went to was for um half blood prince which is the sixth book and at the time, my mom was working at a bookstore, so we just went to the bookstore that she was working at. But I remember that night because my parents went out that evening. And it was at that point where I was just sort of on the bubble of needing a babysitter, but they still got one, you know, whatever. Um, and because, you know, I also have a younger brother and that sort of thing. And the babysitter made me go to bed <laughs> that night, even though my parents had told me that we were going to go and get the book. So I sort of begrudgingly went to bed and just sort of thought, well you know, uh, I'll get the book when I get it. You know, that's, that's, this is just how it's got to be this time. And, uh, I, but then my, my mom woke me up when she, she got home. I was like, let's go get the book. Let's go. And it was, you know, 11 o'clock and we showed up at the bookstore oh, for wow. the midnight launch. And then, you know, nice. when, uh, Deathly Hallows, actually uh, one more thing about the, 
Order, uh, Order of the Phoenix, Half-Blood Prince book launch, was they also gave us these little flashlights. And I still have mine. It's like the size of a AAA battery because that's what it takes. And it was – you could press down on a button and it would light – it would make just a little light. And the idea was that so that you could read the book on the way home and it has it says like harry potter and the oh, order uh, and the uh, half that's amazing yeah it says and it says like you know harry potter half blood prince uh release date uh you know midnight launch and then the date that the book came out on it so i still have that somewhere and i like replaced the battery recently and, <laughs> and all that um and then for deathly hallows went to you know the the bookstore uh, my, mom, my mom wasn't working at the bookstore anymore and there was a different bookstore that was close closer to me and they just had like a big harry potter party that night and oh, wow. in, in the lead up to uh, deathly hallows coming out so we again did that and they had a costume contest and there were games and and all this stuff and when you went and got your book you ran through platform nine and three quarters to get it and and, and all that stuff and, and and same sort of goes with the movies like um philosopher snow was the first one i saw and we had to go to like the you know second run theater because it was my, my dad decided that we had to finish reading the first book before we could go and see the movie. So, and, and the movie had already been in theaters for a while when we started reading the book. And, but once we finished it, we went and saw it and, you know, we would always go and see the new movies opening weekend. I made my, made my mom go with me for order of the Phoenix, uh, not opening night, like not to a midnight showing, but to a showing at like 9 p.m., on opening day like you know not like huh. like the friday like at 9 p.m showing because i wanted to see it like i and i just hadn't had a chance to see it yet and i'm like we're going we're doing this uh and yeah just sort of through the the movies seeing them that way and then you know after after the deathly hallows came out as a book my kind of interest and, and that sort of thing faded a little bit and you know i would still see the movies that came out after the book series finished but i, I kind of you know drifted away from from potter and, and this was around the same time that i was drifting away from star wars and i was just sort of trying uh, you know i was you know it was that that period in your life when you're sort of figuring out who you are and you sort of drift mm-hmm. away from certain things that you wind up coming back to because you realize those are what actually make you happy and what you want to uh you know spend your your free time engaged with and and so i, I kind of drifted away from it uh, but then in, you know, late 2015 and, uh, and, and into 2016, all of a sudden the Harry Potter franchise sort of started going through a bit of a resurgence. They announced that they were going to be doing this play in the West End in London called Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. And they also announced the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them series. Um, and around that time, I sort of, that, you know, having sort of that new content to sort of as sort of a, a rush of like, remember how much you like this and how, you know, how nice it is for it to be back kind of thing sort of drew me back into it. And, you know, I went and saw Fantastic Beasts on opening night. I went to like a, a special preview event like a couple of weeks before where they showed like 10 minutes of the movie plus a behind the scenes reel, plus they had a little interview with J.K. Rowling. And then they showed us um, Philosopher's Stone in IMAX for free oh wow this was a free event that was just supposed to be a fantastic beasts promotion and then it wound up as a surprise for everybody who went to it you got to see philosopher stone and imax for free which was so cool uh but that uh that same summer the summer 2016 i went to london to go to star wars celebration europe and if you listen to star wars underworld you'll have heard all about that uh that trip and 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 all about and, and that you know two years ago when it was happening um but on my first day in London, uh, I decided to go and just see where the theater was just because I wanted to get a picture of the sign out front because the sign's really cool. 
And I had tried to get tickets online. It, it had been sold out and I didn't get tickets. And I'm like, I had sort of resigned myself to the fact, well, I'm not going to get to go and see this. I'll read the script when it comes out because they published the script as a hardcover. Uh, so I thought that'll be enough. And then I got to the theater and I saw the standby line. <laughs> and I, thought, I thought, what the hell? Let's give it a shot. And we'll go and stand in line for an hour. And if this line doesn't move, if nobody gets tickets in an hour, then we'll leave. And within about 15 minutes, somebody had gotten tickets. Oh, all right, all right, we're going to stay. We're going to stay. And, and oh my. I, wound up, I wound up staying in line. I got tickets for the thing. I got in line at about 9.30 in the morning. And I wound up getting tickets at about 3 in the afternoon. Oh, wow. So I waited a long time, but I got the tickets. And I went. And the, the play is in two parts. Uh, so you see one part on one night and the other part on the next night. So it was like two nights at the theater. And, you know, Cursed Child got a very mixed reaction from people who read the script. And I totally see why. But for me, I, I, I you know, just the experience of seeing it, maybe that colors it a little bit. But I also think that the story is, is really good. It's, it, the, the reaction to Cursed Child in a lot of ways is very similar to the reaction to Last Jedi. There's There's mm-hmm. a lot of parallels. And... Uh, in, in some cases, I think people have legitimate complaints and concerns about what happened in Cursed Child. But in other, other cases, I'm like, no, you need to have these things that are challenging to the characters and that sort of thing. Like, there's, there's a great comparison you could make between Luke Skywalker and Last Jedi and Harry Potter and Cursed Child. Um, but that's, uh, that's a story for another sure. day. That's a, the, you know, when, when we get to the Cursed Child episode, we'll discuss that in depth, I'm sure. Um, and so it, it just sort of was brought back into to Harry Potter sort of fandom with that. And, you know, and then wound up going to the, the theme parks at Universal Studios, the one in LA and the one in Orlando. So I can, and as I told Ben, we'll, there's a specific scene in this film in Philosopher's Stone that they managed to recreate perfectly in the orlando park and i'll tell you guys about it when we get there but uh you know those parks are just so much fun and and just uh, uh, you know harry potter was you know before star wars before anything else for me that was sort of the first story that really captured me and drew me in and made me want to to really invest my my you know emotionally invest in a story uh long term and i you know uh no regrets, <laughs> no regrets uh, on any of that. So that's my my long, long story. But that's you know, I hopefully hopefully that that was somewhat interesting and, and explains you know where our, my my background has been. Put it with Harry Potter. That was amazing. And McMahon is telling us privately that he still hates you for seeing. Richard. Oh well, you know. <laughs> I remember I put up a picture online that day, like, I'm going to see this. And I think McMahon said he was taking me off his Christmas card list. So, and I've never gotten gotten a Christmas card from McMahon since. Never got one before, but have not gotten one since either. So, you know, we'll Well, we'll, maybe you were you were on his list for that year and then he just immediately took you off because of that violation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't count the times he's threatened to take me off his christmas card well, list i've never even got a christmas card from the guy jeez you got it you gotta go to you gotta go see harry potter and the cursed child it's in new york now ben so you know it's not that far it's not that oh, far okay. anymore it is on the it's it's, it's come the pond yeah oh, it's I'll, I'll just i'll just i'll just take a little road trip up to new york <laughs> it's no big deal it's, yeah just go see a broadway it'll, play it'll only take me a day to get there <laughs> maybe two yeah and then uh 
go see it for a couple hours. Let me search then, YouTube okay. so there's a bootleg version. Oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure <laughs> oh, there is. probably. <laughs> yeah, but see, this was so. This was the other thing about seeing Chris Child for me was like. Uh, what what made that experience extra special was that it was still in previews, right? Like it hadn't had its grand opening. So literally I was one of the first people in the world to see this story and to know it. And they gave out little buttons to everybody that, that said uh, uh, hashtag keep the secrets on it. And they had part of the logo uh, on it and they gave you a different button each night. And, you know, it was before the script had come out. It was before everybody had a chance to read it. So, I, I, you know, it was sort of like it was almost like, you know, you were like involved in this like super secret club of people that knew what happened and what was ostensibly the eighth Harry Potter story or, or like the epilogue to the series or however you want or the beginning of a, another series or however you want to look at it. But we were in this like, you know, super secret club of, of only, you know couple thousand people every night for <laughs> three weeks that, that that knew what happened in uh in the story but yeah so it, that that also ex- partially explains why mcmahon kicked me off his christmas card list <laughs> exactly okay so Very um exclusive l- let me let me let me take some time to give my harry potter origin story because mm. it's it's very long and very detailed. Um, I spent my entire childhood not watching Harry Potter and getting se- and getting called Harry Potter because I wore <laughs> glasses. I was a little kid, so that's basically it. Yes, yes. There you go. You just needed that lightning bolt scar. Yeah, exactly. I could I could have easily if I had seen Harry Potter at the time, I would have gone like Halloween as Harry Potter, but so what, never happened. Why didn't you see Harry Potter? Was it just like just not on your radar or? It it just it, it's it was like one of many things during my childhood. It's just that my it's when my parents talk about going to the movies prior to when I was born. <laughs> but then I guess at some point they just stopped going. And unless it was Star Wars and I demanded it, it just never happened. <laughs> parents, so a, parents are like, yeah, now, now that we have a child, no more fun. <laughs> no. No more fun. And I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did have a lot of stuff going on, you know. Yeah, of course. Money was tight at certain times. Uh, they were starting a business, stuff like that. You know, I, I understand. Like, I understand. Like, uh, you know, I I didn't see. Don't hold it against like, them. Yeah, not gonna hold it against. I didn't see Phantom Menace in the theaters because, like, that was kind of a tumultuous time for my family at that point. Probably sure. didn't have a lot of money to throw around. I think my dad was in between jobs at that point. So like, um, it happens. Yeah, but of um, Zach. What's your what's your Harry Potter origin story? Um, it, it's it's you could probably describe it in sixty seconds or less. Did it just um, happen? It happened today, didn't it? No, it, I mean I saw this movie, but only this movie for the first time last year. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen anything else in the series, and I haven't read anything else from the books. Um, mostly because I grew up in a really conservative household. And wizarding and witchcraft was just not something that my parents were comfortable having me exposed to. Uh. Um, And now that I'm older, I obviously know that it's fantasy and that sort of thing. But they didn't want to, like, ingratiate that into my childhood and run the risk of me, like, full-blown believing in it or something, I guess. And so... It was it was kind of the the outcast. For some reason, Star Wars was okay. I, I could watch Star Wars, maybe because it was set in another galaxy or something. I I don't I don't really know. But uh, Harry Potter was just one thing that I really didn't get a whole lot of exposure to. But 
thanks to the wonders of the internet, I still got plenty of exposure and I know a lot of the story and I know a lot of the characters. I know a lot of the references like the, there's a lot to Harry Potter lore That's just very, I don't know, very deeply involved with the internet. I don't know how to describe it. Like the internet just makes Harry Potter references all the time. Like you'd have to think about the time when, the books and the movies were coming out was right around the same time that the internet was really picking up uh, steam. And so there's a whole generation of people who grew up not only uh, figuring out the internet, but also reading and watching Harry Potter. Like like I was saying, one of the first websites I I went to was, you know, harrypotter.com and just played the little flash games there. And the first fan site I ever went to was MuggleNet. And I remember checking that every day like multiple times a day every day in the lead up to the deathly hallows being published so it it really was this this internet culture that we have now a lot of it grew up with harry potter yep yeah Uh, i'm just one of the few that did not unfortunately (laughs) i mean mean, even if you didn't watch the films you knew the the cultural phenomenon right i mean i remember you know, Deathly Hollows and all that kind of stuff. And each time a book would come out, there would be news reports about lines around the block at the local <laughs> bookstore because people were waiting all night to to get the book. Like that was just this big thing that happened. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it was uh. You know, you were exposed to it whether you liked it or not. Um. And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm honestly not sure how my parents feel felt about it. But I, my my dad's favorite TV show is Bewitched. <laughs> the old, the yeah, old, there you go. Yeah, the old guy. witch sitcom. <laughs> that should answer. So it. I'm assuming he, they have their they're a bit more open minded about that kind of stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I still didn't see it. <laughs> I, I will say this: the the one thing that I have really, really grown to appreciate over the time that I have gotten to know a lot of Harry Potter fans is how I don't know how on board everybody is with just about everything. Most of the time, other fandoms, they'll have their internal disputes, but I really have not noticed that as much from the Harry Potter fandom. They care more about their subtle references. They care more about the intrigue of the characters and getting to dive into like their psychological profiles. Like The Harry Potter fandom is one that's very, very deep and very conversational, uh-huh. and they're also very respectful. When I went to... Universal out in California. What was it? 2016? 16, yeah. Yeah, I loved going to Harry Potter Land because that section of the park was almost like its own territory. As soon as you set foot into Harry Potter Land, everybody is like talking to everybody else differently. There's just a different tone as far as people being entertained by the littlest things you walk by (laughs) some of the scenery and people are talking about oh i remember that from the movie everybody's enjoying themselves they're enjoying everything they're not nitpicking saying oh this isn't accurate oh this isn't right oh this wasn't how it was in the books they're just enjoying themselves yeah and honestly i wish (laughs) i wish the star wars fandom would pick up some of those ideas because i'm getting sick to death of the arguments that are happening among star wars fans with other star wars fans in the fandom yeah let's let's go back to making funny references let's go back to enjoying things like the cinematography and the scenery and the music like i i don't get why other fandoms aren't catching on the the harry potter group is definitely setting a fine example i, I think a lot of the though, do- sorry sorry ben but unfortunately 
the Harry Potter fandom is starting to pick up some of those tendencies from other fandoms. And mm. I think part of what you're describing, Zach, is that is that it, it's all it's a relatively new fandom. You know, the 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 first book, Philosopher's Stone, is is 21 years old. It came out in 1997. And so people grew up with that 10 year period of the books coming out and the books were the only thing for, you know, about nine years after that. And so for a long time, there really, there was nothing else. There was just the books and, and, and the films. And, you know, you have the little nitpicks of, of the films, like, you know, I wish they kept this scene or I wish they hadn't done this, but you know, it's, it's the, the books, uh, the films are generally pretty faithful, but in the last couple of years, as the Fantastic Beast stuff has come out, and especially with Cursed Child, you're having people have reactions that are not dissimilar to those of uh, people when Phantom Menace came out. And that's just, I think that's just part of a fandom growing up. And, and sometimes fandom will be able to sort of hopefully hopefully harry potter fandom and, and other fandoms eventually will be able to sort of avoid some of the really bad pitfalls that yeah star wars definitely has fallen into but they you know when kurt's child came out there was a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of think pieces and red letter media-esque stuff and 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 that sort of thing and and same with fantastic beasts although to a lesser extent and then with the Fantastic Beast sequel, and, and maybe we can talk about this when we talk about the trailer later. There's a whole other side of it that's um, that's that's really uh, rubbed some people, myself included, the wrong way. And 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 that's but that that has less to do with the story itself and more to do with the um, some of the circumstances surrounding what happens yeah. in those films. So I, I think we can cover that when we get there. Right, right. I think. Not to go on too much because we do have actually mm-hmm. a movie to talk about before we get done tonight. Um, but like I think we keep saying that. Are we ever going to actually do that? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. After this, after this, I'll I'll say this and then we'll move on. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of the divisions among fandom I think stem from generational gaps. Mm-hmm. Star Wars is a, a prime example of it, but even you can see it in even in Star Trek. Um, and you know. It, even in Harry Potter now, I think, because mm-hmm. Harry Potter was kind of like it's this one up. generational thing. Mm-hmm. And now it's taken a break and it's come back. And there's always, no matter what, no matter what you're talking about, there's always going to be people that say, well, this isn't like what I remember it was. Mm-hmm. Star Wars isn't like what I remember it was. Star Trek isn't what like what I remember it was. Um, Harry Potter isn't like what I remember it was. It's just it, those people are always going to exist. And of course, you know, with new additions and time spent away from and, and saying, okay, this is what this is, and you have someone come al- else come along and say, okay, this is, we're gonna do this, but a new spin on it. That's when it starts to thing. And I, I know, like, I've heard about what you're talking about with like Cursed Child and yeah. stuff like that, and them trying to do new things with the characters, just like Star Wars has done with yeah. new well, things the, with the characters. Like, like I was saying, the parallels between Cursed, the reaction to Cursed Child and Last Jedi are striking right down to people, you know, what's one of the criticisms that's most frequently gets thrown at Last Jedi. It's that people don't like what the film did with Luke Skywalker. And there's a, there's a moment in, in Cursed Child that people have a really hard time getting, getting around that because of something that Harry does and people 
just couldn't ex- it's, uh, some people couldn't accept it you know for me much like how i view luke is like no i want to see new challenges for these characters and and you know new challenges aren't always oh we have another bad guy for you to to defeat new challenges right. are they're more interesting when we take these myths and we humanize them like we like luke like harry and and you know i have my I have some quibbles in both instances with like the, the specifics, but as the sort of the larger idea of, you know, we need to challenge for this, the franchise of the story to continue. We need to challenge our heroes in, in different and new ways. And, and sometimes that means we're not the character that those heroes are going to make decisions that we don't like, but we're also not supposed to like those decisions. It's not like last right. Jedi asks, asks you to say, Oh man, Luke Skywalker, he's doing the right thing by being on the island. No, we're supposed to disagree with Luke. We're supposed to be on Ray's side. We're supposed to disagree the whole time. Uh and characters that don't make mistakes are boring. Exactly. And and same same goes for Cursed Child. Uh, you know, Harry does this thing and it's like, you know, we're not supposed to say, Yeah, Harry, that's the right thing to have done there. It's you're supposed to go, What did you just do? <laughs> you know. Um, so anyways, let's let's actually get to the to the the yeah. film at hand but i just one last last quick quick point um because zach was mentioning harry potter land like that is and i i think star wars land has the potential to be this as well but just when you get in something like that like a theme park or you go to something like a star wars celebration or a harry potter convention like when you get that sort of nexus together it really does become all of the 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 internet complaints sort of melt away and everybody remembers why they actually love it and they get excited by the details and and you and you'll you get that at harry potter land you get that at star wars celebration and almost certainly will get that at galaxy's edge as well when that opens up yeah and and same with like celebration star wars celebration Mm -hmm. like you don't get all the negativity and stuff you see in comment sections at celebration like it's all this great you know, wonderful time. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just goes to show like that's, that's internet culture more so than anything. Yeah. So. Are we good? I think we're good. I think we can actually talk about the movie now. See, I, I have been saying Yaz and Ahas for the last five minutes or so. <laughs> Cause holy crap. Somebody is about to make March madness history. Oh, Oh, the, I, I don't, I don't know what kind of background you guys have with March Madness. None. But they 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 do it in a tournament format. There's four brackets, and there's 16 teams placed in the brackets, and you pit the one versus the 16, the two versus the 15, three, 14, all the way down to an eight, nine matchup. And the tournament's been around for decades, and never in the history of the tournament has a number 16 beaten a number one in the first round. Ooh. Number ones are 135 and zero against 16s. And there's a number one seed, Virginia, who is on the ropes against a 16 seed. They have three and a half minutes to go, and they are down by 17 points. Wow. That's so, going to be quite the finish. This is, this is history in the making. If this 16 seed pulls it off, it is the first time a 16 has beaten a one in collegiate basketball history wow, so amazing. i yeah I, I apologize if i have seemed slightly <laughs> slightly disturbed or or interruptible for the last couple of minutes but it's 
it's slightly justified. If UMBC pulls this off, I'm just going to be like, holy crap. So it'll be like the movie magic. The movie, the movie itself, uh, obviously, Dominic, you uh, got the opportunity to see it before long, long before we did. <laughs> yeah, about, <laughs> ben, about 15 Ben's years. first experience was about 36 hours ago. Mine was about a year ago. Do you have memories of your first impressions from when you saw the movie for the first time? Um, like, recall when you when you first saw it? I, I like I remember going to the theater and seeing it. Um, and I remember liking it. Um, but keep in mind, I was also about six or seven at the time so it's it's pretty rare six or seven year olds don't walk out of the theater going i i don't i'm not i i like the story but the cinematography (laughs) just wasn't quite right for me the pacing was a little acting was a little off yeah you know i'm just not sure about it yeah so i i remember liking it as a kid obviously i remember loving it as a kid and and i still do um through sort of a, a a bit of a nostalgic lens but also i do think i do think that the films by and large are are good movies you know they have you know there's they're heavily reliant on child actors so some of the performances sometimes are a bit weird and and you know there's little issues here and there but you know it's it's never a movie that i've watched and gone and where it's ended i've gone well actually that was a bad movie no i i still always really enjoy it and i think it's a testament to it the fact that both of you guys have said that you know upon seeing it for the first time as you know adults you've both enjoyed it as uh, uh, you know a lot yeah yeah i i you know i like i said i was vaguely familiar with the movie th- this movie in particular but like overall like you know like i you know yeah it, it's it's an it's an old movie now i mean it's mm-hmm. it's it's getting up there in age it's turning and, you know, 17 this year yeah crazy crazy so it's turning 17 this movie came out in 2001 yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And, you know, I, I don't even really remember it coming out. Like, I, I guess I do at some point. Like, I, I vaguely remember, like, Phantom Menace stuff, and that was a couple years before that. But, like, you know, going back to it now, I mean, yeah, the some of the effects, or that was one of the things that, like, I noticed, like, during watching the movie. Like, yeah, some of the, you can see some of the kind of the CGI doubles they were doing back in the day. Like, they're not, you know, if you pay attention to them, they're, they're, they're kind of not that good looking but you know still it's like that's kind of stuff is it's just like if you're watching a really really old movie it's got dated effects like it just happens like you really can't do it like for the day it was fine and like you said dominic you're dealing with largely child actors mm-hmm. you know and really really good child actors i mean i i think they did a remarkable job and the commitment they do to to hiring these guys and girls and you know they're gonna stick with them for i don't know what like the whole background is like like were they planning to just do everything at that point or were they just kind of testing it or what i think the hope like the the book series was already wildly popular when this was coming out so i think they they had every intention of of just making them and keeping going uh but obviously if it had tanked then if right. the movie series hadn't worked, then it wouldn't. Then it would have just ended. And you know, we've seen other f- stories that you know are based on popular book series where the first one comes out and the movie doesn't do well, and it just kind of fizzles out. So the intention was always to to keep going. Um, and what is really impressive about this series is, by and large, they kept 
that same cast all the way through. And, you know, there's certain changes that were necessitated by various things like the, the Dumbledore changes between, um, uh, uh, movies two and three, but that's because uh, the the actor Richard Harris, who plays Dumbledore in Philosopher's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, passed passed away. So you know the hand was kind of forced there, um, and you know whoever plays Voldemort in this first one as the back of Quirrell's head is obviously not who plays Voldemort in the you know from from uh, Goblet of Fire on when they actually needed a proper. Voldemort there uh but other than that I mean you know all three of the main characters stay you know there's kids in this first movie that you know are just kind of there like Seamus Finnegan you know the guy who tries to who actually accidentally blows his eyebrows off like he <laughs> he's just there the whole time he's there in the last one like they they kept even this sort of secondary characters all stayed the same right down to a, a character I don't even know if you guys would have noticed in Philosopher's Stone but that is Ginny Weasley, who is Ron's younger sister, who has one line in the entire movie in one scene. She says to Harry, good luck before he runs through the plat- the, the, the door, the platform nine and three quarters archway there. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So she has that one line in Philosopher's Stone. She's in every movie afterwards and her role increases to basically, you know, co-star by the end. And, and I mean, you know, they knew by the, when they were casting for Philosopher's Stone, they knew they wanted to make Chamber of Secrets as well. And Ginny's role in Chamber of Secrets is vastly increased, as you guys will see next week. But even then, they could have just as easily cast somebody, cast somebody else. But they cast the kid, they cast the, the, the young woman, um, uh, Bonnie Wright. And she does the one scene in Philosopher's Stone. Then she does the scenes in, in, uh, in, in Chamber of Secrets and she sticks around all the way through to Deathly Hallows and like I said by the end she's almost almost on that that same tier as Harry Ron and Hermione in terms of importance to the story and it's it, they, yeah so they whoever cast this movie was very very smart and, and they they wound up you know doing giving these kids a job security for a, <laughs> a very long time seriously like I mean they really like because I'm watching this movie in retrospect of watching these movies from afar through mm-hmm. trailers and stuff like that and seeing Daniel Radcliffe and all these guys grow up mm-hmm. in these movies and become adults pretty much by the end of it. And like it's crazy to think like back then, like they cast these people and then they kept them. Like, you know, child actors are notoriously not that good. Yeah. Like there's really like like I, I've heard people say that like people criticize child actors, but there really isn't that many good child actors, period. Like, there's just, you know, it's thing, and, and just their kids are kids. Like, you, you can't make, they're, they're not adults, they're not, they, to make, to make the commitment to that, and then stick with it, and want to keep doing that, and then have a child actor who is not, like, you know, by the time they get to, you know, 18, like, I don't want to do this anymore, <laughs> for, or they're just not into it, and not doing a good job, but they all committed to it and yeah. you know the casting directors credit to them for choosing these people because you know they now around. you look back on it and go like it's amazing to see that progression like it, it's it's amazing to see like in three movies see an adult actor 
get cast and then see their progression. Yeah. They pick kids, little kids. Yeah. And they you see them grow up in these movies. It's amazing. Well, and and it's like like I was saying, like the background cast, like the tertiary cast, like you know, Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas and and Crab and Goyle and all these characters who, you know, like coming from the books, they're you, you know, you remember them more from the books because that's just how books work, right? But right. you know, that's that's that same actor from Philosopher's Stone's Deathly Hallows Part Two. They're they're there the whole time, and you know, you look at something like Star Wars, uh, and you know, the Re- there's almost no consistency, but be- between the Rebel Alliance, between the in the original trilogy, like it doesn't carry over at all. Um, and you right. could have probably gotten away with that uh, with Harry Potter to an extent, and and obviously they do with like the ec- the, the true extras. But you know, you could have dropped some of these characters at at a certain point, and and only the the you know hardcore book fans would have really been bothered by it uh, but they kept him around and, and that's really cool and the other thing that's really impressive about the casting of this film is you know they knew that they were going to have a, a big child cast like you know it was, it was going to be a lot of kids but they also cast the adults really really well and they brought in some really talented people to play the adult characters to sort of prop up the kids because if you when you have Maggie Smith or, uh, uh, you know, John Hurt or Alan Rickman or, uh, you know, all of these sort of uh, these well-established older actors kind of, you know, saying these same nonsense words that the kids are. And they're able to sell it a lot better than the kids are because they're thespians, you know, and they're because they're able to do that. You then buy into the kids saying it as well, because, you know, kids don't sound as confident or as you know well spoken in real life or with with real world words as adults do and so by by casting the adult cast really well it propped up the kids uh for the first several well, movies I, until the kids were I, ready to really take over in the, the later ones but well, yeah then, i mean like then the adults to... stuck and same, sorry ben but the same thing with the adults they all stuck through you know alan rickman he did one to eight maggie smith one to eight they're all robbie coltrane one to eight they're all there they they don't you know, it's not like we have a new McGonagall in, in book uh, in movie four or anything. They stuck it out, even though they, you know, they could have easily gone. Well, this is just children's stuff and I'm above this. But they they stuck it out. And I think they had fun with it. Well, yeah. And they're, I mean, adult talent. My gosh. I mean, mm-hmm. there's incredible talent in there. And just down to like Oliver's and, you know, John Hurt's character. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, that, you know, that's great to, you know, have even smaller roles like that represented with like major actors. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's pronounced, it's pronounced Ollivander, Ben. Come on. Come on. Olo- I, come on. Ollivander. Ollivander. <laughs> I, I missed like a whole syllable. Yeah. Just left out a word there. No, <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but yeah. Um, so I, Zach, you haven't been talking much. I know you're probably distracted by something else and Holy that's fine. Crap. Holy <laughs> crap. Holy mother of all that is! Did it happen? Ridiculous! It didn't just happen. It happened in blowout fashion. Oh my god! Seventy-four to fifty-four. It was a twenty-point win. They didn't just win; they destroyed them. Wow! And it is the first loss a number one seed has ever had in NCAA tournament history. Wow! It just it just goes. These guys just made history. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show with these one-off tournaments, you only have to be the best on that day. You don't have to be the best long-term. You just have to be the best on that day. 
That's amazing. My jaw is on the floor. Nights like this, I wish I cared more about basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I feel bad for talking about it on a sci-fi podcast. I'm sorry to everybody that's not into sports, but you got to know that this is part of me, you know? I this am is history. Much, this is history. I'm, I'm as much into March Madness as people are into December holidays, uh. or or some of some of my other friends that are like super into Halloween. Like you guys can have those holidays all you want. For me, March is the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> because of stuff <laughs> like this. Like I don't think I have ever been happier to have my predictions and my bracket ruined the way these guys just ruined it. The team that they beat, I had them winning the championship. Wow. Okay. I had these guys going all the way. These guys only lost two games all season, and then they just lost to a 16 for the first time in history. So, yeah, it's a it's a big day. But I'm gonna I'm gonna fixate my attention on the show notes and on the movie because you know I really did enjoy this film and everything that it comes with the the acting. The cinematography, the musical score, it was a very enjoyable film. And when you put it in the context that it was made in 2000, it doesn't show it. Not a lot. Like, I was really, really nervous at the very beginning of the movie when Dumbledore looks over at Professor McGonagall. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and and you know that she's about to transform from a cat into a woman, and I'm just like, oh, how hideous is this going to be? It's from the year 2000, 2001. And then they have her transform in the shadow. Mm. And then when they cut back to her, she's a woman. I was like, that is tasteful. That is creative. Good job. And from there on out, it just set the tone for what kind of things I could expect from this film. It was going to be creative. It was going to be whimsical. It was going to be adventurous. It was going to be an origin story. And I got all those things. I got adventure. I got the the origins of all the important characters, or most of them anyways. I, I went on a, a fun trip to Hogwarts. I got to experience... You know, the, the Harry Potter world of witchcraft and wizardry for basically the first time when I watched the movie last year and then watched it again today to kind of refresh myself. Everything about it was just enjoyable. I had a really, really hard time looking at something and kind of, you know, nitpicking it because I, I'm putting myself in the context that it's from 2001 and I'm watching it in 2018, which is something you have to do when you're kind of doing like a throwback episode on a on a modern day podcast. Uh-huh. But but it was just a very enjoyable film from start to finish. I never once felt like I was wasting my time. I never once felt like it, there was something about it to kind of, you know, super duper nitpick. I mean, I may have a couple of critiques here and there, but again, it's in a comparison to other things that I've seen recently. I I can't justifiably say that you know, Hagrid's dragon that you see in this movie is worse than the dragons that you see in Game of Thrones. Hello, there's a 15-year CGI gap in there. Yeah, exactly. Norbert so, Norbert looks pretty good. He does. Yeah, he, he looks really great. Does. For 2001, that's a freaking awesome dragon, you guys. And so, you know, contextually... It was probably one of the best movies of 2001. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at some of the other releases that came out around that time, I, I really, really, really enjoyed this movie. And from what I've heard from everybody that's already a part of the Harry Potter fandom, they're saying it only gets better from here. I'm excited. 
You know, this uh, uh, more than anything else, I feel like this movie set the series off on a good first step. You know, it set things off right. It put it in a positive direction, gave you an idea of some of the things to come, took you on an adventure that you enjoyed the ride as much as you enjoyed the story. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. That's, that's like the best way I can sum it up is it was a very enjoyable movie. Right. And I think, I don't mean this in a, in a bad way, of course, but I think this was, I'm, I find myself wondering after watching this movie, like what are they going to do for the next eight movies? Because, <laughs> because this one was basically like a big setup. I mean, like good chunk yeah. of the movie mm-hmm. is establishing where Harry is. He's in this really terrible situation. You can't help but feel sorry for him. Who just mm-hmm. like these really just evil people. Like, why, why are you so mean to this kid? Um, and you know, getting him and getting him from there, going to Hogwarts and becoming, who he is like the actual philosophers or is it different actually in the movie? Cause in my version that I watched it's called Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. So when they shot the movie, I think they shot it both ways or they had them dub it after the fact. Cause wow. it, cause it is philosopher's stone, like everywhere except the U S it was released as the philosopher's stone. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just it's just you guys, it's just the U.S. For they they decided that, you know, market research told them that uh, not enough Americans knew what a philosopher was, so they changed it to the Sorcerer's <laughs> Stone to make them to draw people in to go and see it. So and just and it's still to this day confusing people for yeah. no apparent reason. No apparent reason, um, well, because you know, like, it, it, yeah, but it, calling it the Sorcerer's Stone doesn't. It doesn't really make sense because Nicholas Flamel, who owns it, is a real like is a there was a real Nicholas Flamel, like that was a he was a real person he was oh, a wow. real philosopher, and you know J.K. Rowling just kind of pulled him into her story and and you know he didn't live to be six hundred and twenty or whatever it said they say in the story obviously but he was somebody he's a real person you can look up the real Nicholas Flamel, wow yeah. wow so like getting back to my point like like watching this like the the philosopher's stone only comes into the story like really late in the game like really late in the film mm-hmm. and it kind of sets up the kind of the final act of the movie but like until then it's just all set up so i'm honestly curious like okay what's next like what's chamber of secrets going to be about like because i don't know i know there's i know about chamber of secrets i did see a piece of it i remember there's a isn't there a giant dragon lizard thing a, in a, a giant in snake underground? yeah the giant bas- snake the, the yeah, basilisk basilisks yeah yeah so yeah yeah that the you know i think part of what makes you know what, what makes the harry potter series so special i think part of what draws people in is that it is a world you know it's it, it you know jk rowling does a lot of world building in those first several books and each one gets progressively darker in, in different ways as you sort of you know in this one you spend a lot of time in in hog that hogs mean in, in um uh, diagon alley and and you see sort of the fun side of hogwarts and yeah there's you do get the darker sides you know you have the mirror of, of ersid and you have the you know fluffy and, and all of the challenges and, and yeah voldemort shows up at the end um but you know the wizarding world in, at the beginning of 
or throughout most of Philosopher's Stone seems pretty fun. And it's as you go through the, the books and the movies, it gets darker and you start getting into sort of, it, it, you know, you get into some of the more morally questionable things about it. And, it, you know, like with any series, it starts off relatively simple, good versus evil. But as it goes along, it gets more and more complex and, and challenging in, in different ways. And, and uh you know yeah so so much of of this this one is about setting up just sort of the wizarding world and and establishing what it is and that continues through the series through a lot of through the next two mo- two two movies in particular um and and it's really the, the story really i think sort of kicks into full gear in goblet of fire you know the first three that's not to say that the first three stories aren't essential and that they don't have good stories and good character arcs and progression and and all that stuff that you need to tell a story but the the actual sort of driving force of this story i think really kicks in in goblet of fire everything else you know everything in the first three is building up to that and what happens in that movie changes everything for the rest of the series and um, you know what J.K. Rowling did was in using these sort of these three sort of setup stories, and again, that kind of I don't love describing them that way because I don't think that's totally fair to describe them that way. But for the sake of argument, uh, but but she she sort of builds this universe that you really want to spend time and you really want to know more about, and you and she builds characters that you really want to follow and and you really start to care about, and it it. it keeps going and it, and it just sort of sucks you in, in in the best best possible ways yeah and you know on the flip side of that i was of course going into this i know snape i mean i know voldemort the the one who should not be named <laughs> like i i know that thing i've seen the meme about someone going into starbucks and putting voldemort down as their name and then someone he should he who shall not be named yeah <laughs> and you know that joke like I know that that kind of uh, some of that myth- mythology, but going into this and coming out of this movie, I'm like, wow! Like Voldemort was actually in this movie, kind of, sort of. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't. I, and they immediately like, like Harry doesn't beat around the bush. He's like asking Hagrid, like, okay, what's the deal with this? Like, what happened to my parents? What is Voldemort? You know, who is this? And he, they kind of get that stuff out of the way, and you know, there's no secret as to it, like. Harry knows right up front that his parents are dead. They were killed by Voldemort. He survived. Like, and I like that because if J.J. Abrams had made this movie, it would all have been secret until the last movie. <laughs> but thankfully he didn't. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that aspect and the fact that it did like move the plot along and give you a lot of answers and give you a lot of setup for his character going forward. Yeah, there's not a lot of, you, you know, there there are definite mysteries in the Harry Potter story. But they tend to be more specific to the story of that book or that movie. You know, there's not that sort of overarching mystery. There's there's a few, but they're pretty small and subtle. Um, but it tends to be the mystery is introduced at the beginning of the movie and more or less resolved by the end of it. And that's something you'll really get in Chamber of Secrets. You'll really see that much more prominently. And... Um, and that that happens again in 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 the later movies as well. It, but there isn't, yeah, there isn't that sort of who are raised parents thing that sort of drags that sort of drags throughout the entire series. It it's it's yeah, Voldemort killed Harry's parents. There's no question about that. That's what happened. There's some stuff in there, but that 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 makes that moment 
more important as we as the story goes along but it never changes you know it never it never becomes something else it, it the the version that you get in philosopher's stone is the same version you get all the way through sometimes you get a little bit more insight but it doesn't change the core of it, it, it like i said it doesn't really change anything you're just kind of maybe adding a, a layer to it um and and yeah that's that's one thing that i do think is nice about this series is that the overarching story of it is you know, sort of that Harry Voldemort confrontation that that happens throughout the series. That's sort of what's driving it, and and the mysteries all are all in support of that. The the mysteries don't feel like they're bigger than the story. And sometimes, like you were saying, Ben, sometimes people like J.J. Abrams or whoever, he's not the only one. Um, they, they make it seem like the the mystery is more important than the story, and that's definitely uh, something that's in the plus column for Harry Potter. If you guys want to, here's, here's just a, on a totally separate note, here's a, just a piece of trivia. Oh, I love trivia. They pronounce the name of the villain wrong throughout this entire movie series. I remember reading something about that. Yes. Didn't Rowling like post online after yes. they did it, that it's supposed to be a silent T. Exactly. It's Voldemort, not Voldemort. But they said Voldemort wow. all the way through the, the series. And I wonder if that's just something she decided after the fact because really <laughs> just to mess with probably people. could have told people that. Because basically it's – Voldemort in French means flight of death. And you don't pro- – mm. and, and more is death in French. And it's it's not pronounced mort even though there's a T on the end. So it's, it's – Vol- Yeah, it's Voldemort. And so like when you – if you go and see – when you guys road trip up to New York to go see Chris Child, you'll see that they pronounce it Voldemort all through that because now she's clarified it. Because, yeah, she tweeted it that, like, you know, five years after the movies are done, she's like, yeah, actually, it's not Voldemort. <laughs> it's Voldemort. This, this is the way it's supposed to be, actually, you yeah. guys. You could have said something like 20 years ago. Yeah. You could have clarified this, JK. Um, but – yeah um voldemort uh jk just kidding yeah <laughs> really <JK. laughs> just, oh my just gosh just kidding rolling uh oh. just kidding rolling on the floor laughing yeah oh jeez oh my wow. god can we can we yeah, like I think we hang should... up on him yeah or, I, is, that, yeah. is that allowed all right let's, let's completely change the subject we're going to talk about something that i i i forgot right in the middle of watching this movie i literally stopped and started looking it up and and i forgot or or perhaps just didn't realize that John Williams did the score for this movie. He and sure I, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like it's not talked about enough how great this is, like <laughs> how great the score is for this movie. And, and like they did, I went to a John Williams concert, not with John Williams. I did that at celebration. Yeah. yeah. That's off my fucking list. Um, but I went to a John Williams concert which was an orchestra in the new i think it was the new orleans symphony orchestra in new orleans louisiana they put on the thing the conductor actually knew john williams i think oh oh um, you said and, bucket list oh okay <laughs> you just kind of got that i was sitting here with my <laughs> jaw dropped <laughs> thinking that i may have actually heard you say the f word for the first time ever <laughs> Like I got that off my bleeping list, and I was like, "Ben, now like, I was speechless." <laughs> but no, 
I'm gonna have to listen back to the edit and make sure it doesn't stop. I, 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 that, that. People in the cars with the kids are going, oh my god, he just said that. No, no, don't, don't worry. I, I heard bucket list. I did not. You were, you were very casual and very flippant with it, and that's the other thing that scared me. I was like, how dare you, sir? Yeah, like, what happened to Ben? And, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, saying that would definitely be on somebody's fucking <laughs> list. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Oh, now I've got to go back. Now I've got to dig out the bleep button. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So, John Williams, let's yeah. get back on track here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I went to a concert, and they did they did bits from Jaws, Star Wars, a bunch of Star Wars music, but they also did a, a bit from um, a Harry Potter film. I don't know if it was... Uh, Philosopher's Stone or not? It may have been. Probably was. I don't think he did. How many did he do? He did the first. I think this was the only one he did. And then wasn't it Alexander Desplat that took over? No, he did. He he does the first two, I think. Um, and then a whole variety of people come in to do the the middle ones, and then then Desplat does the last three, uh, last two, I think. I think he does both Mm. Deathly Hallows ones. Oh, okay, okay. I remember I remember seeing his name in the in the credits when I was looking up different composers on IMDb. That was a totally separate venture that I went on. We were going to do an episode of IPC at one point that was top five composers, like top five movie composers. And so I was doing research on that and his name came up with several different credits, Harry Potter among them, but I didn't look at how many credits he had specifically. So Right. So, so I apologize. So, yeah, no, no worries. Uh, John Williams actually does the first three. I misspoke as well. He does the first three. Okay. So, yeah. See, my little tangent there gave people time to do a little bit more yeah, research. Do a quick Google. Do a quick Google. Yeah. He is. That, that's, he did. that's a, that's he a did. classic podcasting trope is you <laughs> stall for time so that somebody else can do a quick Google search to clarify your information. Without any ums or uhs. Ah. Um, See, but that's think... what we used to do. In the early days of this show, there was a lot of, uh, I'll look it up. Um, and now we've kind of settled into a groove a little Figured bit. It out. So. Um, I think he, was it, is it Prisoner of Azkaban that's the third one? Yeah, that's the that's the last one. Okay, I think that's the one that I heard music from. Okay. So and that was that was really cool. But um, I don't I don't I think his music in this first one I, it just I think it's 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 his most appreciated from the series. But I also think it needs to be appreciated more. Like just the music when they're going through Diagon Alley is one of my favorites. Mm, it's just yes. it's so wonderfully whimsical and and like that's, it is whimsical. That, that's a great word. For and, it. and and I think whimsical is 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 a way to describe a lot in these films like not just the music but the set design and the art design as well um you know diagon alley in particular is a great example of that uh i've i've been to both the diagon alley park in orlando where it's it's like it's at, or, at universal studios they basically built uh, a theme park that looks like diagon alley and i got to go to the actual set of diagon of the diagon alley that they used in all the films right. uh, at the um harry potter uh experience in london where they have uh, like all of the sets and all a ton of the props from these movies on display and it's basically a big museum and they have diagon alley set up where you can just walk through it it's incredible um wow yeah and and, and you get to appreciate it there but it's just like there's no 
nothing is 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 everything is a little bit crooked everything's a little bit off everything is it, it's not straight nothing's perfect it's it's all just a little bit bent and 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 it just it looks so cool and it, it just everything about all of the designs through all of these mo- all of these movies um you know when you especially places like Diagon Alley and the uh, and Hogwarts it just it's it's so it's so it's otherworldly in, in such a, a wonderful and fun oh, way, yeah. and and John Williams's score, especially in this one, really helps enhance that. So the kids approach once they get to Hogwarts, and they are the first years are in the boats mm. that are making the approach to Hogwarts. I had a very similar sensation the way I did when the travelers in Jurassic Park are approaching the island. Mm. You know how you've got that classic journey to the island music that's playing as they're coming up on the landing pad, and it's got all these trills and flourishes that make you excited for what's about to come. I had a very similar sensation when they're in the boats approaching Hogwarts. The perspective that they give with the camera work as you're looking at this building for the very first time, the same way that the students are, you've got this music playing that makes you feel like you are that age that you're like 11 years old and you're about to go on the adventure of a lifetime. It was very playful. It was very melodic. And like you said, it was very, very whimsical. There was a lot of whimsy in this film. And... That scene exemplified it for me, and there was another scene that we're probably going to get to eventually, hopefully, (laughs) somewhere (laughs) down the road in this discussion that also really, really was a tone setter for me. Mm. Yeah, just just while I, I, you know, while we're on sort of this sort of the whimsical topic and and that sort of you know approach to hogwarts and and like like literally the, the approach scene you know I, I was thinking about it as i i rewatched the movie today as well just sort of to be ready for this i was thinking about it. there's multiple points like when you think about the hero's journey and storytelling there's like multiple sort of moments that could be sort of the threshold crossing for harry when he sort of fully steps into the other world you know there you could do it when he leaves with hagrid you do it when he shows up at Hogwarts or you could do it when he goes into Diagon Alley and, and there's mm-hmm. all those sort of different, there's this sort of just the different moments of, of this world revealing itself to Harry. And it's sort of, you know, first it's leaving the Dursleys, leaving that awful existence behind. And then it's sort of being introduced to the sort of wonderful whimsy of the wizarding world in general. And then there's also the, uh, you know, the going, home essentially to his new home to the place that becomes home to him and you know he says as much yeah. at the end of the movie you know, i'm not going home not really you know, hogwarts is truly his home yeah he has to go back to the dursleys for the summer um but it, you know hogwarts is is where he feels at, at home and at peace and there's that great moment after the the opening feast and, and the sorting ceremony where he's sitting up awake and it's kind of and he's just looking out and he smiles and he's got Hedwig there it's kind of the antithesis of Luke Skywalker looking out at the horizon you know Luke is looking Mm -hmm. for to go on the grand adventure and and Harry is uh he's having sort of a similar moment just sort of of being alone and looking out at the horizon but for him it's like I'm finally somewhere where I am accepted and where I have friends and people who care about me and, and people who who want to help and and you see that over and over throughout this movie and and i think for a lot of people you know they they these the series became about escape for them because they 
grew up in a situation where they people didn't accept them for who they were for whatever reason uh and sort of the idea that there is this other world out there where people will accept you and people will be kind and want to that where you are where it's you know you don't have to worry about being normal quote unquote because that's what the dursleys try to be and it's made even clearer in the book that like all vernon and petunia dursley want to be as normal like they want to be aggressively normal and harry is the antithesis of that he is abnormal in in this way and they try to repress it and and you know there's all sorts of you know allegories and metaphors that you that can be made here of of what that is uh, you, you know, for or connections that you can make to people who have more real experiences than being magic, you know, uh, and, and Fantastic Beasts does this as well uh, in a different way. And that, that's but that's a topic for another day. Uh, and, and so the, I think for a lot of people, this series became an, an escape because they're, they're at their, just this idea that there truly was a fantasy place out there where they could be accepted in that moment of Harry sitting there and reflecting on that is is really, really powerful in the film. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, that's that's his as I said earlier, like, you know, you have this kid who is dropped off. I, I wasn't expecting like the scene at the very, very beginning where you have, you know, Dumbledore and, and them going and basically dropping him off as a baby. Kind of also kind of parallels Luke Skywalker again. Yeah. You know, they're they're you know, they're dropping off so somebody will take care of him for you know, 10, 11 years, and then, you know, they'll come back and get him at some point um, and train him up to be a wizard instead of being a Jedi. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked that whole thing. Well, and, like, you can't help but feel sorry for him. Yeah. Well, and, and Dumbledore, and you guys will see as, as the series progresses, Dumbledore becomes increasingly complex. You know, he starts off as that sort of Obi-Wan, Gandalf figure of, of sort of the kindly older mentor but he comes becomes more and more complex because when you think about what dumbledore does at the beginning of this scene at the end of this movie in a way it's really cruel to leave him with the dursleys like oh yeah like he, he knows how bad they are and mcgonagall says that to him you know, she says she watched them all day she knows what they're like and in, in the book you actually see their day beforehand and you see what mcgonagall sees and, and so she they they know that they are leaving him in hell and yet you they, are not in good hands potter but good luck to you anyways basically yeah but they know that but the re but there's also a reason and it's not just because they're family quote unquote because I think a lot of what Harry Potter is about is about finding your family, finding, you know, that your yeah. friends be your can, friends can, can be can be family. Um, but what they do, you know, and Dumbledore kind of says as much is he thinks it's better for Harry to grow up not being a celebrity, not being somebody that everybody knows. It gives him a humility and a humbleness. And you see that through throughout this first story and, and throughout the rest of the series. And it's really well contrasted with Draco Malfoy uh, because Mal the Malfoy family is, you know, they're well known, they're upper class. They're very, uh, you know, high, they think very highly of themselves and Draco Malfoy embodies what Harry could have been in a different scenario. If he had grown up believing his own hype, essentially he would have been, he would have become Draco Malfoy and, you know, Malfoy, 
and you see them kind of clash because Malfoy thinks, you know, Potter should be like me. He should be, he, he has this truly great backstory. So we should be on the same side. We should be, we should work together. We should get along and, you know, look down. We should get, get, get together to look down on everybody else. But because he grew up with nothing and he grew up in this terrible situation, he empathizes with Ron who grows up very poor in, in sort of this larger family where he, Ron kind of feels neglected at times. And he empathizes with Hermione, who's kind of the social outcast. And, and to an extent empathizes with Neville, who, you know, just can't remember anything. Poor Neville. And, and so he, he empathizes with these people who, you know, sort of the outcasts, the weirdos, the, the, the freaks, for lack of a better term. And... They're the ones who are actually going to do good, not the Malfoys. Not the, the Malfoys. They think, you know, it's that that let it's that you know upper class. You know, we, we're the we're the best, and we should look down. And this is how it's, it's always meant to be. And uh, you know, it's it's that that sort of attitude of we are better than you, and that's what the Malfoys represent. And and Harry could have been that if he had been allowed to have his ego stoked and we see when he shows up at the leaky cauldron before they go into diagon alley how that could have very easily happened because everybody's telling him how great he is and he has no idea what the bleep is going on he's like what's what's happening but imagine if he had gotten that for 11 years yeah he would have been like malfoy he would have had his he would have had his hair slicked back in that donald trump jr look and (laughs) the 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 bleep eating grin and and all of that like it really you you really could have seen how this character could have turned out badly so you just to bring it all back to dumbledore like in a way dumbledore is incredibly cruel to leave harry in that situation but by putting harry in that incredibly cruel situation he creates somebody who will do so much more good and yeah it's it's a complicated thing because you could hate Dumbledore for putting Harry through that. You, you are absolutely in the right if you think of Dumbledore as a bad person for doing this to somebody. And I think, and it's, I don't want to say too much because, you know, you guys um, will get there in the story eventually. And I don't want to spoil things for you, but it, it is something that Dumbledore struggles with. And, you know, so you'd be absolutely right to say Dumbledore is a bad person for having done this. But then you think about all the good that Harry does throughout the rest of the story and then you wonder if he would have done that if he hadn't had this experience and so maybe by putting through this trial Dumbledore created something even better and he allowed Harry to be the best person he could be and you know it's it's not there's no right answer there's no obvious right answer and and so and this is in a kid's story you have to remember it's a kid's story and and you know it's dealing with ideas of, and themes like this and and you know, it's not necessarily overt at the at the beginning, but these are sort of the the challenges and the questions that are implied in this series, and and they go a lot deeper than just good versus evil. Yeah, yeah, really interesting, really really interesting, and kind of that whole thing. And you know, sometimes, you know, as we learn from a lot of different stories, mentors are, aren't always what they cracked up to be, but. You know, they mm-hmm. still shape the characters. That's what's important. Yeah. But um, whether they shape them for better or for worse is part of what makes everyone's character arc so intriguing. Exactly. For sure. 
exactly yeah no and and that that's one of the things that i'm looking forward to as we continue to progress you know we're next week we're going to be uh talking about chamber of secrets and over the course of this entire year this is something that our listeners have been asking us for literally since ipc started like since the inception people have been asking when are you going to talk harry potter when are you going to talk harry potter well we are now and i can officially confirm that we're going to be talking about it off and on over the course of the rest of 2018 so be ready, be excited, be hyped. <laughs> and more more is coming, and it's coming as soon as next week when we talk chambers. Um but let's let's go to favorite scenes because mm-hmm. this is this is one that's gonna be really, really hard for me because I enjoyed a lot of the scenes that go on throughout the course of this film, mostly because of the sets or the the characters or you know, getting finally understanding some of the references that you see on the internet. Like Hagrid was a meme for a long, long time. And I didn't understand why or how or, you know, I, I, I was kind of lost because I didn't have the movie to give me the context. But that whole scene where where he meets Harry for the first time and he goes, you're a wizard, Harry. Like I, there, there was one meme that keeps sticking out to me where they rephrase it in the meme and it says you're a lizard harry and then someone <laughs> photoshops harry potter's head they take daniel radcliffe's head out and replace it with a velociraptor from jurassic park and he's just looking at you with the velociraptor's mouth open and he's like what mm. <laughs> yeah i don't know why but it killed me every time maybe because i'm a jurassic park fan or something but when i saw that meme it's like you're a lizard harry i was like no <laughs> There are a lot of really, really funny funny scenes that happen in this movie. A lot of really great moments that are for character development. The chess scene was an honorable mention for me as they're going throughout all the different trials. Everybody has like a moment to shine. And Hermione's moment to shine is when she tells him to relax in order to slip through the cracks of the roots. And then Ron's chance to shine with the chess game. And then Harry gets his moment of truth when he actually comes literally face face I guess you could say yeah face with to face his, yeah. with 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 his darkest opponent that's going to be coming up you know throughout the rest of the series everybody has their moment to shine towards the end but i'm i'm curious like what scene you guys enjoy the most out of this movie ben what was your favorite oh man it's it's hard it's hard i cuz there's a lot of great scenes um the one actually Dominic just mentioned is, is great. Him just kind of looking out the window, uh-huh. um, you know, very very telling. But also, I think I don't know anything with uh, with uh, well, how am I forgetting his name? Um, all of a sudden, um, Hagrid. Hagrid, yeah. Sorry. Okay, there we go. Hagrid. Oh man, I I love. I think the specifically like the scene with uh with the dragon, the dragon egg, and stuff like that. And I I love anytime he's like. Should have told you that. Yeah. Oh, I told you that. <laughs> so funny. And he, he's, he's this guy you don't know. You know, he's he knows everything, but he's he's like he's kind of this wild card character. Or he's not quite a teacher or anything like that. He's just kind of this guy. What is his actual official title? He's groundskeeper. Okay. Okay. He's the gardener. He's, he's the gardener. Yeah. He's the gardener. That makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, he's just like he he's been around a long time and you know they mentioned like the three-headed dog uh, the three-headed dog is like oh it's fluffy like yeah. <laughs> no big deal 
I love that his love that his name is Fluffy. I love it, and I love and I love so I love that Fluffy is the scary three headed dog, and Fang is the cowardly mutt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's just oh, Hagrid. How can you not love Hagrid? I I I love Hagrid. He he's like the he's like the the uncle almost. Yeah. You know, he's like he's like the uncle that Harry never got. Yeah. Because because he's living with an abusive aunt and uncle and this is the fun uncle. Yeah. The one that will take you shopping, the one that will help you handle your business affairs, the one that will guard you and and keep you safe and give you advice that your teachers won't give you, but they still help you in life. Like there's there's just something about Hagrid that, that makes him feel like he was that missing family member that Harry didn't even know he was missing. Mm-hmm. And the, the way the two of them bond early in the film is fantastic. The way that he, he kind of, it seems like he's accidentally slipping up. Like he's uh-huh. like, I should not have said that. I should not have told you that. But the things that he tells them ends up helping the kids save the day. And yeah. so he, he almost like is helping save the day by default just because of what he's giving away uh and so i really i really love haggard if i had to pick a favorite character haggard would probably be my favorite character in this movie i don't know what kind of story he gets in the movies to come and i don't want spoilers because i'm coming from this perspective where i'm looking at it purely cinematically Mm -hmm. i barely had enough time to watch the movie i goodness knows i don't have enough time to actually sit down and read the book i don't i don't want to say it because in the event of someone listening, maybe along with us, who has actually watched these for the first time, I don't want to say it yet, but there is a there's a line that I've seen in comment sections where they'll go, you know, tell a spoiler from a movie, and you'll have Luke is Darth Vader's Luke's father, and you'll have spoiler kill spoiler. Ah, uh, and yeah. every time those characters <laughs> are on the scene, I'm like. Oh, spoiler kill spoiler! Like that. I wonder how that's going to go down. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Oh. I'm kind of I'm kind of oh. sad you guys don't get that reveal because that's a great reveal. But uh, yeah, Hagrid, great character, and I won't say anything more about him. <laughs> but there is a there is a good little twist towards the end of this movie, though. Um, actually, did you Dominic? Did you say your favorite scene? I, I have not. I have not. Here, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so I, I I'm like part of me just wants to say the whole movie because I really do love this this movie. Um. I'm also very tempted to say Quidditch because Quidditch is just such a fun idea. Dang it. Dang it. Um, but <laughs> what I, what I will say, and, and this is partially informed by some stuff from later in the series, specifically in the book series, but I love the whole sequence with the mirror of Erised where oh, Harry yes. looks into it and he sees his parents and then he brings Ron and Ron sees himself sort of in there and then he sits he, when he's sitting there just looking at it and Dumbledore shows up behind him and they have this conversation about the thing and, and Dumbledore tells him, you know, you can't don't dwell on dreams and forget to live. And it's just such a powerful message and it's it's a wonderful sort of metaphor because, yeah, obviously we can't really look into a mirror and see our wildest dreams playing out there. But, you know, it's very easy to just sort of sit back and, and fantasize about doing something and then never actually do it. And what Dumbledore is basically telling Harry is don't just sit there and daydream. You know, if you know, obviously he can't get his parents back, but 
you know, there he um he has this other family that's being created around him with his friends and and that sort of thing. And I I don't know if this is in the version you guys watch because I believe it's like a, a from like an extended version. But there is a scene where Harry is kind of just sort of sitting off on his own looking uh, looking into the into like a fireplace and he's separate from all the other Gryffindors and Ron kind of comes over and tries to get him to come on over and hang out and he won't go because he's just thinking about yeah that is that was the version yeah yeah so he's just thinking about going and looking at the mirror you know like that's that's all he wants to do and he's passing up these opportunities to be with friends to be with his new family his found family and he he doesn't uh he doesn't uh, doesn't go for it. One thing I'm really sad didn't make the adaptation, didn't make the film, is that Harry asks Dumbledore what he sees in the mirror. And Dumbledore tells him he sees himself just holding a pair of wool socks. Hmm. But in the book, it's, a, it's strongly implied. Impl- Harry thinks that Dumbledore is lying to him. And then this this thought that Dumbledore is lying to him gets brought up again in Deathly Hallows. And there was no real way to, to, I don't know if there's a real way to adapt it, but if, if I can be on the show the week that you guys talk about Deathly Hallows, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. What, what everybody cool. thinks that Dumbledore actually sees in the mirror, because nobody, JK has never confirmed this, but we all think we know what he sees, and Harry thinks he knows what he sees. So I'll, I'll 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 tell you that when we get there because there's there's a long way to go before we get there. So that's that's uh that's probably my favorite sequence is is that conversation between Harry and Dumbledore because it's it's their first real conversation too. It's the first time those two characters who are going to be so important in each other's lives meet uh, meet face to face like that where one of them is not a baby, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then of course the thing at the end about getting the stone through the mirror, you know, only somebody who wanted the stone but not to use it could get it and so it's it's really great just the whole all anything to do with that mirror is, is really really cool so that's that's yeah. that's that's my answer it's not quidditch or the whole movie even though both of those are very great things <laughs> yeah 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 well and and, and means that kind of answered this but i like to get your take who's your favorite character in this movie in particular uh i mean it's really hard not to love hagrid it's really it's like hagrid is is so much fun um and but you know harry i have a hard time going outside harry ron and hermione like i just love that trio so so Mm -hmm. much and and i love the way they they play off each other i love the way they interact and i love the way they grow up together so i i it's really hard to say but so i i guess i'll say hagrid for this movie but those three are just so so good yeah definitely and i mean their development i mean you know you know they're destined for great things you know they're destined for like a to be bffs forever (laughs) like and in for, for two of them even more so um, but like, it's really interesting to see them come together. And then, you know, Ron is sort of annoyed by, by, you know, by, <laughs> by her Hermione, and Hermione, Hermione is and very, very sassy, very, you know, doesn't take crap off anyone, mm-hmm. you know, will tell anybody off and, you know, kind of, you know, saying, so it's just so enjoyable to watch. Yeah. And, and, and yet, you know, there's a, a, a deep caring there for each other and, We'll see where that goes. 
<laughs> we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned Quidditch a second ago, Ben. I'd just like to, like, what did you think of 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 the of that sequence and and that whole idea? Because I know you're not really a sports guy, but the idea of, of Quidditch. What did you think of that? Um, I mean, it's really I mean thrilling little sequence, and I, of course, it, it kind of feeded into my, you know, my past experience on the ride on the Universal ride of uh, you know having done that before does that does quidditch come back at some point oh yeah yeah quidditch though there's quidditch games in the next two movies i think i figured so and and, and so. then it does pop up again later after that okay so you get I a figured, little because i because i noticed in on the ride harry and everyone are a little bit older than they are in this movie yeah <laughs> yeah that's very true it's very true yeah it, it pops up again throughout the series it's it's definitely not something that's forgotten it's it's not essential but it's not forgotten um yeah i i, I love i love the whole concept and i love that you know there are quidditch leagues now and what's funny about like these quidditch leagues is that they're like trying to separate themselves to an extent from like the harry potter mythos like they're trying to be treated uh, trying to be treated like a real sport quote unquote uh because they're played by they're not played by you know geeks and robes they're played by like rugby players you know Mm. Uh, a friend of mine went to a big harry potter festival where they had like quidditch games that were be as like demonstrations and stuff and he was talking to some of the players and they were like no like yeah we play rugby and this (laughs) (laughs) we don't know about the rest of the crap that's going on here play rugby and this um so yeah and and quidditch it's a lot of fun so it's a a that's great sequence that's amazing yeah, it is. It's really like it, and the music and everything is is great. It's just top notch action, um, really great little sequence, and um, you know, also you have uh, one thing I want to ask you before we kind of get into the wrap up here. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, as someone who has grown up with the movie, has a lot of nostalgia for the movie, really loves it. Is there any? criticism you can throw at this movie is there anything you don't like uh, it's 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 hard to to say it's sort of like sort of like asking me like is there anything in a new hope that you don't like is there anything in like the original star wars that you don't like it's like right. i i don't know if i can really answer that because um you know it, it it's it's very hard to to be critical like you know there's sort of things where it's like well some of the performances aren't always there from the kids um but it, you know i think if you buy into the world you buy into the movie and and at least for this first one it's very hard to come up with something where i'm like that doesn't work and the only issues that i have are just little adaptation issues like what I was saying about you know not getting what not getting this the little exchange about what Dumbledore sees in the mirror like like that's my biggest criticism about this movie is that that scene isn't in there or that moment isn't in there so I I, I can't really I, I I don't really have a have a have a big criticism it's it's really hard for me to to look at this one in particular and say there's a problem here when we as the series goes on it it, it becomes a little bit easier but but this one is is, is or well, not to say there it's easier, but there are things that stick out a little bit more. But this one, because it is the one that really kicked off the cultural phenomenon, it's so hard to find something that doesn't that that like really really doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can I can totally see that, and you know, it's just 
you know, the movie Soul it really is just a classic. And especially if you've grown up with it, like, you know, it's it's hard to, you know, I'm, you know, for Star Wars, like, I'm, I'm, I fully admit I'm blinded by my nostalgia for the first six movies. Like, you know, I, you know, yeah. it's hard to, you know, not that I don't recognize there's faults with them, but I really don't notice them that much. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand, especially, like, people just, because this is, this is the ultimate kids movie. This is you see yourself in Harry and mm-hmm. Hermione and Ron, and, Ron yeah. and, and all these kids. Like that's the thing with these movies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then you get to grow up with them. Like I can only imagine what that experience was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And, um, and can I just, yeah, go ahead. just really, really quickly. I, 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 I wanted to ask Zach something cause it's, I'll pull the curtain back. There was a little technical snafu there. Um, <laughs> and, and Zach kind of missed our little Quidditch discussion. But as we know, Zach is a real world sports fan. And so I'd love, oh, I'd love to know. You guys talked about it without me? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't realize you were gone. Just I didn't, a little bit. I didn't realize you were gone until we started talking about it. <laughs> now that you're back, I want to know what you think of of the wondrous sport that is Quidditch. Oh, my gosh. I get why people run around on broomsticks in Waco, <laughs> Texas now. Like, for a while, I used to make fun of these people that, like, say they played competitive Quidditch because I'm like, no, you don't. Your brooms don't fly. Mm. Like, you're, you're, you're literally just getting up in a uniform and you're, you're running around on broomsticks and, and throwing a ball around. Like, you look like an idiot. But after seeing the cinematography and after hearing the John Williams score and after witnessing the drama surrounding the spells and the counter spells that people are trying to cast on it in order to try and disrupt the flow of the game the rules as far as the gameplay is concerned and how you gain points and how you potentially win the game the way Gryffindor ends up winning the game with Harry swallowing the bug essentially yeah like that it was like a it was like this old classic trope of like if you're flying around in, or you're or you're driving in a car or something, and you get like a, a bug smacked to your windshield or something. <laughs> it was like the 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 Quidditch equivalent of that, and yeah. it was so amusing. And I don't know, man. There was just something about it that like made me wish it was real. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I don't know why there's not like a video game of this there, or something. There was you know? there there was a video game. It was called uh, Quidditch World Cup. And it See, came out. I would totally play that. I would yeah. play that a lot more than I would play FIFA. Like, not even kidding. Oh, it was it was so much fun. I had it on the PC when I was a kid. And played it like nonstop, and like you start off by playing as the Hogwarts houses, but then you get to start playing as like countries competing for the Quidditch World Cup, and all this stuff. And here's here's a funny little anecdote: is there's this book an in-universe textbook that jk rowling wrote called quidditch through the ages that's like the history of quidditch and as a kid i got this and i read this and in the book it said you know quidditch never really caught on in america but there were three really good teams out of canada that people you know that were solid teams i i love that being canadian though we always love we always love it when canada can be slightly better than the us in anything <laughs> um, but in yeah because you know it doesn't happen that often <laughs> well right now uh but anyways uh <laughs> <laughs> the the in the video game because it was an american video game they had team usa but no team canada and i was like that's mm-hmm. not i was like that's not canon that's not right 
the Quidditch never caught on in America. <laughs> it's, I see, I see. But it, but it's a, such a fun video game, and if you can find a way to play it now, I mean, it'll be it'll be dated in terms of graphics and stuff, but it's still it was still a lot a lot of fun. You see, here's the thing: is with the the hype of games like Overwatch and Fortnite Battle Royale, why can't Quidditch become another? esport that people play and make money off of how great would that be like put it on the xbox one put it on the ps4 update the graphics update the gameplay you know that nerds like us are gonna have a field day with a game like that Mm -hmm. and you know i just feel like you could do it from like a like a pov uh pov perspective kind of like what you do with overwatch or you could do it you know, a uh, split screen style like you do with something like Rocket League. Like there's there's so many different ways that you could play this game and yeah. you could do like a co-op version or you could do it where you're where you're setting up competitions randomly like on uh, like on Fortnite and you just get dropped on a house and you get dropped into a game and you just go play, son. Have yourself a fun time. I think Quidditch needs to become an esport because I know people would play the heck out of it and I know people would watch the heck out of it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, I would be so much more into watching like virtual Quidditch than any other video game because I, I can't watch video games. It's just not something that I'm into, but I would watch a Quidditch match even if it was pixels instead of people. Yeah, oh. that, that's the thing. That's the thing with me. Like, I do not play video games that much, but I like more than half of my youtube viewing is people playing video games nice and i don't care about sports so obviously like (laughs) fake sports are way more my thing yeah yeah man yeah and i mean that's i think that's the best way you can get like the most enjoyment out of it like that's Mm -hmm. the way you can maximize the game is if you don't you obviously don't have the studio to animate yourself and make it look like you're actually playing yeah. a quidditch match so why not do the next best thing and shell out 50 bucks for a video game for a console you already own and then you get to play it virtually with other people that are also potterheads yeah i think i think we i think we need to create a petition <laughs> I think we need yeah, to or just happen. create the game create get in touch game. with some game developers and yeah. put our own little collaborative spin on it and we get a share of the profits who knows if you're into if you're into that kind of thing reach out to us find us at uh, (laughs) ipc podcast on facebook twitter and instagram we're usually pretty quick to respond and we'd be even quicker to respond if you actually wanted to pursue something like this it sounds like a money maker right there it sounds like fun it sounds like it'd be something great it sounds like it'd be something great so ben i I know you're gonna need to wrap us up in, in just a second or two but i wanted to i met i've been meaning to tell this story for a little while and I wanted to share it now before we sure. wrap up the show. So in Philosopher's Stone, there's a great moment. There's the great moment where Harry goes into Diagon Alley for the first time. And he sees he's introduced to this wonderfully whimsical world that we've been talking about uh, all all evening. And at the, the Universal Studios Park in Orlando, they have managed to recreate that moment where you go in to Diagon Alley and you get to have that experience like Harry of seeing what is essentially a perfect recreation of it. And I went to that Universal Studios Park twice last uh, last year. Once I went with my mom and once I went with our friend Kieran. Uh, and so what they've done is 
they have the Harry Potter park is kind of separate from the rest of it. And it's separated by the exterior of a London street, essentially. So you have all these buildings that look like modern London and they and you sort of walk through them and then you come out the other side and you walk into Diagon Alley. Huh. And well, it, that's really creative. Yeah. And so twice this happened. So I looked at the map of the park and I knew where to go. And so the first time I did this, I was with my mom and we, we go and my mom was like, how do we get into the Harry Potter land? I'm like, we go through here. We go through in, in, in here because I'd looked at the map and figured it out. And so we go through and when we step out and you see Diagon Alley, my mom goes, oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, my mom, my mom you know, she enjoyed the Harry Potter stuff because we were, enjoyed it while growing up. But, she, you know, she wasn't a Potter head or anything. Uh, and so but but, you know, it was such like that jaw dropping moment of going through that there through that basically going from a very real world looking thing into the magical world. And I had sort of that same reaction. It was though, though it was a little bit more internalized and I was also very much enjoying watching somebody else have that reaction. And then it happened again when I went with Kieran later in the year. And again, we went, he didn't know what was going on. I, he thought I was just teasing him by making him go to the London area of the park because he's british <laughs> he's like all right mate fine we'll go over to the british park all right i'm like no and and then we go through and his reaction was oh my god <laughs> it was the same thing that same sort of like wow moment and you know it's 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 incredibly creative and it's such a amazing sort of thing to walk through and, and to go from our world from a theme park essentially into the wizarding world and it's not a moment I thought you could recreate because it is so magical in the film and in the book, but kudos to Universal Studios and Warner Brothers and everybody who worked on that because they managed to do it and, and everybody has that reaction. You could just stand by that entrance all day and watch people go through and have that reaction and it's, it's truly magical. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Sure, that's amazing. Um, so, I, I mean, I guess I'm not sure really how to end this because I feel like, you know, we've, we've discuss so many different things um what do you think zach you know final thoughts do you have anything else you want to bring up anybody i mean just that i'm excited to continue this you know there too. are this is this is the beauty of ipc is we now have the opportunity to watch these movies and experience them for what is essentially the first time and we get to do it for podcasting purposes so not only do we watch it we have an excuse to watch it and we have an excuse to get on a show and talk about it and like we were talking about at the top of the discussion is this movie is coming up on 17 years old and we're just now getting the opportunity to talk about it for the first time. And that's, what's so cool about IPC is you can talk about movies like this. You can talk about back to the future. You can talk about the original star Wars movies. You have this outlet to talk about something for the very, very first time as if it was brand spanking new to you. And it is, but it, it may not be new to the community. It may not be new to, to friends like Dominic who have basically grown up on it. And we get to compare notes, basically, and look at you know the origins of it as well as what we're currently experiencing and what kind of things we can look forward to. And I can definitely say that I'm really looking forward to Chamber of Secrets and beyond. Yeah, I like I know I know a little bit about Chamber of Secrets. I know somewhat like i've seen like a little bit of bits of scenes from like 
Deathly Hollows. Like I know kind of the premise of that because it's the most recent one, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of familiar with it. Other than that, like in between, I don't know what the heck's gonna happen. Like, so I'm just intrigued to go, kind of go for on the ride and go. Okay, here we go, Harry Potter. Like, what is this gonna be? Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to it over the next few weeks and months. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So basically, what we're doing is when there's some breaks in the action, kind of like what we did a year or two ago when we did our Firefly discussions is it's going to be broken up into like little increments. And so we're doing two of those installments this month, and then we may pick up again after some of the Avengers and Incredibles and Jurassic World hype I kind mean, of starts to die if you guys want us bit. to skip Avengers and Solo and all those big movies and just do uh, Harry Potter no. straight, I mean... No, no, hold up. I'm I, vetoing I, I, want, I want that. I, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm vetoing that. Sorry, I have been waiting for Infinity War for far too long to say, oh no, we're calling an audible now when it's only like three weeks from the premiere. No, sorry, <laughs> sorry, that ain't happening. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Let's in all seriousness, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna want to break the door down on that movie as soon as we can. Yeah, um, I need to I need to buy tickets now that I've got my car situation sorted out my next job is to figure out how many tickets to infinity war i need to buy and where i need to buy them because they're going to go probably faster than black panther did even knowing yeah my community. yeah i'm starting to think about that too because i'm like i really want to see it open a weekend because you know, happy birthday to me and yeah. uh, uh and i'm starting to get scared now because i'm not like i'm not in a major city so i can kind of get away with like not but like Ew, who knows? It could it could uh could be pretty packed on uh opening night or even in through the opening weekend. Yeah, it really could. So now we're moving on to a new segment that we have here on the show that we've started in 2018. We call it the Planet Score. It's just our way of ranking the movies that we've seen out of ten and then comparing notes when we're finished. Because, like I said, since it's going to be incremental, we need to be able to look back at what our previous scores were and what our thoughts were, you know, from you know months previous, in order to see where we rank these movies, where we rank them in comparison to other movies that we've seen. So it's something that I borrowed from the Phantom Fraternity, which is another show Stole. that I'm on. No, not stole because I'm on both shows, so I'm just using material from both programs, and we put our own spin on it by calling it the Planet Score. We got some numbers from Peacekeeper Core asking them before the show started what number they give this movie out of 10, and we're going to ask you guys this as well. If you're listening live in the chat, go ahead and send that to us, and we'll put it in the notes, but your time is quickly fading, so be sure to send your rating out of 10 for us to be able to add to our archive. Dominic, you're the guest this evening, technically, even though you've been on the show probably at least two dozen times in the show's history, probably more than that, but by default, I guess, we're going to pass it to you first. What rating do you give this movie out of 10? I... 10 out of 10. I, I can't not give this one 10 out of 10. I, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm going to give um, You're going to give every movie a 10 is what it's going to end gonna, up being. It's going it? be, to be close and like it's it's funny like I, I don't even know if I could do if I would do that when we were ranking if we were ranking the Star Wars movies but it's just something about Harry Potter that's so precious to me and, and this movie really embodies that and so I I, I just got to give it a 10. Ben, what about you, man? 
Ooh, this is a hard one because I really, really did enjoy this one. I'm gonna give it a nine. I really, I really enjoyed it, you know. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the future holds for this. And you know, really can't find anything to complain about. I mean, just really just enjoyable start to this. Just enjoy really awesome universe, not just a franchise, but this wizarding world that we're in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the things that I really, really like about this movie is it's a it's a very, very solid way to introduce you to something that if you've read the books, then you have some excitement leading up to what you're going to see. If you haven't read the books, then you're kind of coming in cold the way you and I did. We still get to enjoy the, the same sense of awe and wonder that you see the kids experiencing in the movie. They did a really, really great job of embodying that. The writing is superb. Like you were saying earlier, Dominic, is when you have very, very uh, well-established men and women of the profession saying these things, it makes it more believable when the kids are saying it as well. So the the writing was really, really well done. And like we were saying earlier, the graphics were well done for its time. Um and, and honestly, I feel like it probably stands the test of time better than a lot of movies from the early 2000s. However, if, if I had to pick a couple of things to complain about, and these are, these are minute, like I said, it's hard to find anything really, really big to critique. But I felt like there were a lot of somewhat jarring time jumps in mm, this film. Uh-huh. And so you're, you're going from him being born to up to age 11 and they're just kind of just now setting the stage for how bad his life has been. And you only get a microcosm example of that. And you jump from that to this Island. What is that basically what it was like a, like a Island with a lighthouse on it. Basically. Yeah. Like when they're going that far away, I was like, okay, that's really jarring. Who knew that these (laughs) people had like this secret lighthouse that you can live (laughs) on and, you know, he gets the couch and Harry's got to sleep on the floor. Like, I don't know, like that, that the sequence of events that led up to his arrival at Hogwarts was a little jarring at times. And then once you get there, there's also some time jumps that are incremental by holiday. So you've got like Halloween and then it goes to Christmas. And then by the end of the movie, you're up at the summertime. So has like a year transpired in this movie, maybe more than that by the time all of it is said and done? Or is it from the beginning of the fall semester until the end of the spring semester? That's what it's supposed to be. Okay. See, they didn't really, I guess, I guess it just didn't come across as well as it could have for me. Like it, there, there were, there were just a lot of jumps and the number of jumps as far as scenery is concerned and the number of jumps as far as the passing of time just wasn't as, I guess, as direct as I had hoped it would be. I'm not really sure how to describe it. So that's an editing thing more than it is an acting thing. And that's stuff that happens in post. That's stuff that, that goes into the writing. So that's really all from the production standpoint, the movie itself. I really enjoyed But I also have to take into account that everybody has said that this series only gets better from here. (laughs) If this is the way that they're starting things, then I've got to pace myself a little bit 
so that I'm able to accurately describe how I feel about the ensuing movies. So with that in mind, I'm giving it a very, very solid 8 out of 10. I know that yeah. I know that you guys gave it higher praise than that, and justifiably so, but I'm also trying to pace myself, and I'm also trying to make sure that credit is being given where credit is due, and it sounds more or less like credit is going to be due to the future movies more so than this one. I guess we'll have to wait and see. We Definitely. shall see. We shall uh, see. So the numbers that we got from the hosts are a 9, and 8, and a 10. Out of 30, that gives us 90%. The numbers that we've gotten from our fans, have we gotten anybody, like any numbers from anybody in the chat, Ben? I can't um, see. I don't believe. No, nobody So in we've got nothing from anybody in the chat. We got some from the members of the Peacekeeper Corps. If you're curious about joining the Peacekeeper Corps, then let us know. Find us on IPC Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We will get you hooked up. The numbers that we got from them are a 8, an 8, a 7, and a 9 out of 10. You average that out over a possible 40 points. That gives it a score of 80% from our listeners. So everything's kind of in the 80 to 90 region with a very dramatic 10 out of 10 (laughs) from our friend Mr. Jones. But all in all, a very solid, very enjoyable movie and a good start to the rest of the franchise, which will be coming up in future episodes. So it's going to be fun. Very much looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to watching, like I said, I, you know, very clueless on where this is all going. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the journey. Well, you know what else is interesting is if we have enough time at the end of the year, we may try and wrap up our Harry Potter discussion and dive right into a Fantastic Beasts discussion as well. That's Just possible. get everything from the Harry Potter universe or as much of it as we are able to without having to find a bootleg version of the stage production online. <laughs> get as much of the Harry Potter universe discussed as we can and we're going to have more material to talk about come Thanksgiving time. You know, uh, what was it? It wasn't last year. It was the year before that. Wasn't it fall of 2016 that the first Fantastic yep. Beast came out, Dominic? Yep, that's correct. It was fall of 16 mm-hmm. and now fall of 18. We're going to be getting its sequel, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. I have some questions for you, Professor. This is a surprise. There's a rumor that Newt Scamander is headed to Paris. I know he's working under your orders. What do you have to say for yourself, Dumbledore? If you'd ever had the pleasure to teach him, you'd know Newt is not a great follower of orders. The time's coming, Newt. When you're going to have to pick a side. Are you going somewhere? No. We're going somewhere. Genius. What are you guys' thoughts on that based on the new trailer that recently came out? Um, I, I'm, I really loved the first Fantastic Beasts movie, and I loved the new characters that it established. And when I found out about what the second one would be, I was very excited because 
as a Potter fan and, and you get some of this in, in the film, but there's a great history of Grindelwald. The Grindelwald is a, is a huge backstory and, and you get more of it in the later books in the series and, and, and in the films as well. And, and so there's a great backstory to it and, and it involves Dumbledore and there's all this really sort of cool stuff. And I'm really excited. I was really excited to see that, but then, you know, also taking into account the original or the first fantastic beasts, I was sort of like, well, I hope that doesn't overshadow the stories that we get with these characters. And yeah. so that kind of, um, it has me kind of, I, I'm curious to see how the balance is going to work there. And, and the other thing is there's been a lot of weirdness around the production of this movie from the casting mm-hmm. of Johnny Depp as Grindelwald to some comments that d- the director have, has made that it just, it, 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 it feels like it's, it, it, it feels like they're, 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 it just it has rubbed me the wrong way. And, and so, yeah. And, and so I, I, as, as much as I love that first movie, I have a hard time being really excited for this one because of what's been said about this movie. So I, I'm absolutely, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch it. And, you know, if, if you guys would have me on to do an IPC episode about it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it's, it's a movie that I, 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 I'm struggling to support because I, it comes from a universe that I love a lot, but there's so much around it that relates to, to real world stuff. That's, that's very important to me as well. And, you know, when, when fantasy and reality collide, it's, you know, reality kind of has to win out. And, and so as as a result, I, I, I really struggle with, you know, some of the stuff that's been, been said and, and surrounds this movie. And, and, you know, I, I, there's there's people who can can elaborate on it, on it far better than I I can but uh if you want me to I can try uh but it, it's 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 one that I I just I don't I I was so excited for Fantastic Beasts 1 and 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 after that I was so ready for the sequel and I I kind of had some of my enthusiasm a lot of my enthusiasm has been drained by the real world stuff surrounding this movie and and so i i as 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 good as this trailer looks is it doesn't erase the problems yeah yeah i i i have heard some of it i'm aware of some of it and yeah it sucks like and and especially when like you really should be excited for these things like i'm not i really I'm just vaguely familiar like what's going on. I know it's a prequel. I know it's about wizard Hitler, possibly. Basically, sure. yeah, basically. Oh, <laughs> um, basically. So, like, I, it sounds interesting, but yeah, the real world stuff kind of kind of puts a taint on it, which is which is which sucks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the trailer looks good. I mean, it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jude Law is Dumbledore. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's very oh. that's. Very intriguing. Jude Law's Dumbledore is very intriguing. I think Nicholas Flamel is actually supposed to show up in this one, which is really cool. Oh, that would be cool, especially given how much context and, and discussion he has in in this. In, yeah, in this particular film. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and nice. the history between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, as we get it in the backstory presented in the books, especially Deathly Hallows, is fascinating. But it seems like the film won't be embracing some of the certain certain aspects of it for reasons oh, that, for, for reasons that are 
lousy. I, I that's you yeah. know and and also basically they they came they said that Dumbledore they're not presenting Dumbledore as gay in the film even though J.K. Rowling has said that's what he is and and that to me leaves a bad taste in my mouth because it's like you guys <laughs> you didn't need to do this and it feels like you're only doing it so that you can present this movie in certain countries where uh, they wouldn't have allowed the other thing. It just it doesn't feel right to have said it like this because then it feels like you're not being true to the story. Yeah, there's a difference between having the story naturally come about and saying, okay, well, this character's sexuality just wasn't part of the story or just mm-hmm. what didn't fit into the film. That makes sense. But coming out and saying ahead of time, we're, and, and we're, say- we're not going to put it because of this, because it is what it is. We don't want to put it in the movie because it might upset some people. Like that's not right. And and, and the the thing is, like, the part of the backstory between Dumbledore and Grindelwald is very much connected to his sexuality. And yeah, you know, it's 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 it, to to put that information out there over a year before the movie comes out the way they did, or I guess not over a year, but you know, close to a year. It just doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem right. We shall see, though. Trailer, like I said, trailer looks good. Yeah, it's cool to see Hogwarts. Cool to see Hogwarts. It's cool to see Hogwarts. Yeah, it is. Even after just seeing the first movie, it's like, oh, that, that's Hogwarts. That's pretty cool. Like, seeing it in kind of a modern film is really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I, didn't, I, 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 know, I know that that's probably... <laughs> Not at all where you were expecting that to go, Zach. <laughs> but that is that no. Is, it is what it is. It's 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 relevant. It's mm-hmm. it's part of the conversation. It's what people are thinking about. It's what they're talking about. So it's it's important to have that kind of a dialogue yeah. so that we have the appropriate expectations for this movie. Absolutely, and and I think that's one of the great things about podcasts is that that gives us a space to have that dialogue. And yep. Know, that's what absolutely no i would i would never i would never try and redirect the conversation or, or try and say something different or say something otherwise like i <laughs> here's the interesting thing is i have yet to see the first fantastic beasts and uh-huh. so i'm basically going to be kind of seeing them consecutively yeah and i'll be looking at them again from a purely cinematic standpoint sure for the for the most part like i i, I have no literary context to what's going on the way you do and so getting to see it from those eyes is also going to help generate some really interesting discussion when the time comes to talk about the movies. Uh-huh. You know, was was the box office affected by the conversation that was had a year before it came out? You know, did it affect the, the story of the movie in comparison to the way it was written? You know, there's there's going to be all kinds of other discussions to be had down the road. And this preview kind of gives us a taste of what the conversations are to come potentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Indeed. It'll be it'll be really interesting. Now, on the topic of Dumbledore, let's kind of circle back around to uh, to his character because he did have some really great moments in Philosopher's Stone. The mirror scene was one that we talked about, and then there's also a couple of scenes towards the end, particularly when he just decides that he's going to call an audible and the house cup is going to get awarded <laughs> to Gryffindor at the last minute. Yeah. Like, okay, Ben, you're going to need the sensor for this one because this is the best way I can describe it. Again, it's from a meme, 
um, there, there's like a there's like an internet meme around there somewhere where uh, Dumbledore kind of stands up and and he says, you know, the House Cup really should go to the house that had the best semester overall. But then there were some certain events that transpired in the last week that caused me to change my mind. And even though you were in last place, Gryffindor, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to award you all these points because even though you fucked up, it was really <laughs> awesome. So you get a hundred <laughs> points for that. Yeah. And, that's basically that's how about, it went. That's about like, it. Like you guys made some terrible decisions. You guys did some really terrible things. You had points deducted for it originally, and then you end up saving the day, and it ends up being super cool and super awesome. So, fifty points to Gryffindor, <laughs> and he, you did this really bad thing. It was a really immature decision. But it was awesome. 50 points to Gryffindor. Like, that's basically how it went down. He was very calm, cool, and collected about it. But that was the gist that I got from it. It was like, Gryffindor, you made mistakes, but you made mistakes with glorious intent. So you get points anyway. <laughs> I was like, yep. what the heck? Yeah. What? What the <laughs> heck? It was, it was oh, crazy. Man. So... You know, he had he had that moment of glory, but then he also had a moment that was very tender. And it was almost like a Gandalf visits Frodo kind of moment, and which is fitting. We talked about Lord of the Rings not too long ago. We had the whole white-bearded mentor visiting the small one while he's recovering in his bed. And they had a very tender, very awesome moment that we wanted to share with you all tonight we do still have time for that do we not yeah sure let's go for it okay i just wanted to make sure this was actually something i could introduce because i'm like oh we're running short on time here sports fans but ladies (coughs) i'm getting all choked up over (laughs) i love this scene so much you guys i'm i'm so choked up oh before i die Uh, over how emotional this scene gets me. I'm going to go ahead and introduce to you tonight's quote of the night. Good afternoon, Harry. Tokens for your admirers? Admirers? What happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret. So, naturally, the whole school knows. Ah, I see that your friend Ronald has saved you the trouble of opening your chocolate frogs. Ronald's here. Is he all right? What about Hermione? Fine. They're both just fine. But what happened to the stone? Relax, dear boy. The stone has been destroyed. My friend Nicholas and I have had a little chat and agreed it was best all around. But that Flamel, he'll die, won't he? 
He has enough Alexa to set his affairs in order. But yes, he will die. How is it I got the stone, sir? One minute I was staring in the mirror. And the ah, next. you see, only a person who wanted to find the stone, find it, but not use it, would be able to get it. That is one of my more brilliant ideas. And between you and me, that is saying something. Does that mean, with the stone gone, that is, that Voldemort can never come back? Oh, I'm afraid. There are ways in which he can return. Harry, do you know why Professor Quirrell couldn't bear to have you touch him? It was because of your mother. She sacrificed herself for you. And that kind of act leaves a mark. Oh, no. This kind of mark cannot be seen. It lives in your very skin. What is it? Ah, Bertie Botts, every flavour beans. I was most unfortunate in my youth to come across a vomit-flavoured one. And since then, I'm afraid, I've lost my liking for them. But I think I could be safe with a nice toffee. Hmm, a lot. Earwax. love that moment absolutely love that moment oh yeah earwax (laughs) he's so calm and collected about it but you also know that he's like making a terrible terrible face internally Mm -hmm. alas earwax earwax like they're they're basically playing bean boozled (laughs) like basically what they're doing because they've got some out there now that are like grass flavored and soap flavored and loogie flavored and i'm just like where do you people come up with these things this is ridiculous <laughs> so that actually ties directly into our next segment i literally just thought of it and we're gonna go with it because <laughs> we're gonna end with this one folks time to get out your hashtags and start putting them in the chat if you're listening live put them on social media if you are not put them on facebook twitter and instagram we can find them on all three platforms at ipc podcast and we'll probably try and find it on pinterest one of these days i don't have a pinterest account but maybe just keep using it we'll keep finding it everybody get out your hashtags one more time for everybody's favorite segment of the night it's time for a harry potter themed edition of hashtag BBQ watch barbecue 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 You just got to slip those in there sometimes, don't you? Every once in a while. Every Every now and again. Well, so to piggyback right off of that quote where he's just like, hmm, alas, 
Earwax. This edition of BBQ Watch is going to tie directly into that. What would you guys think of a barbecue or barbecue sauce flavored jelly bean? I feel like that should already exist. Yeah. I think I, I think it should. Like if you're gonna have soap flavored and you're going to have poop flavored and you're going to have grass flavored, you should have one that's you know, colored the same way that like those soda flavored ones are the ones that taste like Coca-Cola and root beer and Dr. Pepper and stuff. You should have one that's the same coloration as that, but you run in the risk of it potentially being either soda flavored or barbecue sauce flavored. Like, Oh my gosh. I can just like picture it in my mouth and it's so not appetizing (laughs) at all. As much as I love barbecue, this is like one of the worst ideas ever <laughs> because it – oh my gosh. For one thing, barbecue sauce is not meant to be that sweet, but jelly beans are kind of naturally sweet that way. Like they're supposed to be super infused with sugar and stuff. Like I can't even fathom how sweet a barbecue sauce flavored jelly bean would have to be. That's just – Ugh, it's just kind of cringeworthy almost. And those flavors on those jelly beans, especially when you get like the Jelly Belly ones, can be pretty accurate to what they are. <laughs> Even down to like you'll have like different flavors and you'll mix certain flavors to create like like you'll have like I don't know like like a pecan flavor like a um, almond flavored one and a coconut flavored one and like oh mm, put them yep. two together and you have an almond joy. And it tastes like an almond joy. Oh, that's just a really? big, it like that's wow. just a, a hypothetical one. But they have ones like that that are like you. They give you like just certain recipes. Take this one. Take this one. Take this one. And it's root beer float or something like that. Like it's just crazy stuff. So you can imagine like could they like just think about this potentially? Just think pull pork jelly bean. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> barbecue sauce jelly bean honestly mixed together honestly i think i would like it i think i would like it might not be terrible because I, mean, I like those things already and really all you're doing is changing the texture and see texture's everything to me though right. yeah textures, so, texture can be important especially I, I, I with your food favorites i i don't i don't dispute that but you know, it's the taste will still be largely the same, and I like the texture of jelly beans more or less. So, I could see it working. I think I think it's and a good you idea. Have, you have different kinds of barbecue sauce. You can have the vinaigrette-based barbecue sauce, Carolina style. You can have your red sauce, your white sauce, like tons of different possibilities. I I still think it would end up in a in a can of bean boozled. I don't know if I could eat them like on my own. I mean, it would certainly be better than earwax or vomit. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it, it would it would definitely be better than earwax. I will give you that because <laughs> I I look at earwax and it makes me want to vomit. So, yeah. I just <laughs> it's just not something that I'm exactly a fan of. So, I, I would I would definitely I would definitely if if I had to choose like if somebody pointed a gun to my head and said you've got to eat one of these jelly beans and I have like the option of soap and vomit and barbecue sauce I'm definitely taking the barbecue sauce any day 
not even a question. But uh, we do have one question to ask before we wrap up the evening. One that we ask uh, every guest who joins us on the show. And I know we've asked you this before. But Dominic, where can the folks at home find you outside of the podcast? Uh, they can find me on social media. I'm at Dominic J25 on Twitter and Instagram. That's probably the two places to follow me. Um, you know, tweet about Star Wars, tweet about Harry Potter, tweet about sports and other things. Um, and always, uh, always happy to engage in conversation. Uh, and you can also find me and and Ben uh, every week mm-hmm. on the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Uh, we record those live on Channel Eleven Thirty Eight on Thursdays at nine PM Eastern, and um, they're available on on iTunes and Google Play and our website pretty much immediately after the show is done and yeah you can also read some of the uh article writing i do uh over at starwarsunderworld.com about all things star wars so yeah that's that's about it yeah and starwarsunderworld.com is also a source where you can find some of our episodes of ipc because of our partnership with sw you can sometimes find articles that talk about the latest episode of IPC and it's also your source for your latest news, rumors, release dates, opinion articles, casting announcements and more from the galaxy far far away so be sure to check them out and be sure to check us out at ipcpodcast.podbean.com Podbean is now our official hosting site for all IPC podcast episodes all 180 something of them there's only like one or two missing, but everybody has a little bit of gaps in the archive every now and again, so it's not that big a deal. If you want to listen to our entire history, you can find it there. Just uh, type in pod, like a podcast, bean, like green bean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. You can find it there. You can also find us on iTunes and Google Play as well, because our link with Podbean uploads to those places as well. So we're accessible to all. Speaking of all, all of you should go find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at IPC Podcast. Probably the fourth or fifth time I've said that in this episode. You can also follow us personally on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Ben at Ben Hart with no E. You can also find him on Facebook if you want to. Don't go find me on Facebook because I'm boring. I talk about my personal life. I hardly ever geek out on there. If you want to geek out with me, go find me on Twitter and Instagram at Zach, Z-A-C underscore D-F-W. Uh, We'll be back next week to discuss Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, hopefully with a guest. Dominic, if you're available, we'd love to have you back. Keep talking about the movies. I would love to be there, and I think I will. Well, and uh, thank you for joining us on this week. I do believe that's all she wrote for this episode of the IPC podcast, episode 184 is now officially in the books for Dominic and Ben. My name is Zach. Thank you for listening with us. We hope that you will listen next week. But until then, we just want to leave you with this thought. Easy isn't always simple. We hope to see you all next week on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Good night.